Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Monday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Today I am joined by Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry. We have a lot to discuss today on this Monday edition of Sports Call, the first edition of the show this week. A full three hours with you, and we have a lot of Auburn news and notes to talk about. First, we will uh, have to discuss about A-Day, as that took place inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday. We'll give you our thoughts on what we saw from the Tigers on a very wet and rainy day. Uh, that was very much expected. It unfortunately came to fruition, and it was not a perfect day for football. But we'll talk about A-Day. We'll also talk about the Auburn basketball news, as Auburn basketball has landed uh, its first portal get of this 2023 cycle in the form of Denver Jones. We had mentioned him on the show before. He was the guard out of FIU. We'll talk about what that means for the Tigers, update you on the on the roster spots there. Also, the departure of an assistant coach from Auburn staff. Been a little while since something like this has happened, but Wes Flanagan, uh, an assistant for the Tigers, is now on his way to join Chris Beard at Ole Miss. We'll talk a little bit about that. And, of course, uh, we'll have Kevin Ives on at 4 o'clock, talk Auburn baseball over the weekend. They were only able to get one out of three against Texas A&M, so we'll talk about the Tigers the previous week. Look forward to the next week. Best and worst of the weekend, nightly TV guide, and birthdays and sports all coming up on this Monday edition of the uh, the Sports Call. So, Ryan, Brooks, and Brant with you here today. Uh, Brooks, we'll start with you, usually not on a Monday, replacing Mr. Tom Peavy. Hope you're doing well, sir. Yeah, I, I hope that I can uh, fill the shoes of Tom Peavy on a Monday show adequately. Yeah, we got a packed show for you today. Uh, can't wait to get to all of our callers. Can't wait to talk all the, the things about sports. It was a great sports weekend. Um, maybe not, you know, in results-wise for, for the, the local teams with the, the Auburn Tigers and the Atlanta Braves, but, you know, when it's Masters weekend, we talked about all week, great week, great finish to the Masters after some, some questionable weather Friday. Friday and Saturday, and yeah, can't wait to talk about all of it. Can't wait to get get uh, get going on this Monday and, and start the week out strong. And then Brant Daughtry on the show today. Brant, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, glad to be here. Had a great weekend. Drove down to uh, Americus, Georgia, in South Georgia, uh, where my uh, my grandparents live, and celebrated Easter weekend with them. Always great to celebrate uh, what is the most important event in human history. So uh, a, a wonderful weekend. Uh, uh, in in South Georgia to go celebrate that. I was going to say I don't know if if you has that home run from the Braves World Series from uh, Soler <laughs> landed yet. It's it's a close second. <laughs> the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jorge Soler's game six home run. Yeah, <laughs> two very important events. Um, but yeah, it, it's a great weekend. Uh, had a lot of fun and got to see some people I haven't seen in a while. Uh, and I'm related to all of them, so that was fun. 
Uh, but yeah, a, a good-ish weekend uh, sports-wise. Certainly not great for Auburn, uh, at least the sports that are currently in season. Uh, but y- you know, it, both of those seasons are super long. And Braves again, it was like game nine and ten, I think, or eight, nine, and ten, I think it was that. Uh, just didn't play very well. You're dealing with injuries on the Atlanta Braves front right now, and that's really holding the team back. But uh, I'm fully confident that the uh, the team can get back to full health and get back to being one of the best teams in baseball. Yeah, we did have a lot of sports this weekend. Uh, we had on a what to watch for over the weekend at the end of last week, the Masters, the Bristol Dirt Race, all those took place this weekend. Of course, we need to start today with the most important news, and that is Bucky's is open. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, although it is open and a lot of people have been flocking over there. Our good friend Justin Ferguson uh, was over there early this morning. I'm sure we'll ask him about that uh, if he's on the show tomorrow. Our co-host Cam Barry already stopped by. Cam already went by, got some uh, breakfast there. Uh, so everyone's already uh, very hot and bothered uh, by uh, by the by the Beaver by uh, by Bucky. So uh, we will have a fun with Ferg, I'm sure, at some point, and uh, ask him about his first experience with the Auburn Buckies. He was he was up there at like five a.m. this morning. A.m. this morning is kind of redundant, but he was up there at five this morning to be one of the first people into that Buckies, and just I like Buckies. A Buckies opened in in Bonaire. Uh, Georgia, which is about 15 minutes from where I grew up, about a year before I moved over here. And, I mean, that place went wild for it, much like Auburn did. And Mm -hmm. it's very cool. It's a very cool thing. But it is, at the end of the day, just a gas station and a convenience store. Yeah. I... I get why people like it. It is, in my opinion, not worth the hype. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brant. Yeah, Brooks is uh, not. A are, are you anti-Buck? I'm pro Buckies. I love Buckies. I yeah, just but, don't love it nearly as much as no, other people but, do. But the fact that you you came and you you were you had the courage to say <laughs> it is not worth the hype. No, it's absolutely not. Thank you. It but, is. It does have a million gas stations or a million gas pumps. Yeah, and it has literally every like most things that you could want out of a convenience store, and several things you don't are also available. Objectively. The food is good. Yes. The gas prices are relatively cheap. Yes. And the um, the it, it's it's a unique. I'm I, oh. I don't know. The beaver is. I cute. don't need. I don't need beaver boxers. The right? beaver is cute. It, it's it's it, yeah. There's it, a statue of him outside. There's a statue, but it is not worth the hype. It's a large gas station. It's like if a gas station. If it's like it's it's like if Walmart expanded their their Sam's Club, not Sam's Club. Their um. Murphy's? Mur- Murphy's gas station. That's what it would be like. Yeah, it's it's a gas station on steroids. I've only been once. I was impressed. I still hold full judgment till I visit this one. Also, would like to ask Ferg about if there's any differences in this Auburn one to any of the other ones, or if they're all kind of uniform. They might have one or two different food items depending on where they are. But I need to ask him if there's any obvious differences anyway we will not use the whole first segment of the show on bucky's although i know a lot of people are excited about it so let's talk a little auburn football now as we saw auburn a day come and go we obviously previewed it at good detail last week we told you that the weather was just going to be crappy and guess what it was uh it, it really to bury the lead here prevented auburn from doing some of the things that we really wanted them to see they they just did not have the ability uh, or the desire to throw the football. I think there was only 12 pass attempts total between the three quarterbacks, not 12 each, 12 total. Uh, so we, we have uh, very few throws to judge by. Look, there are some judgments we can make some from some of those throws. But, again, under the circumstances of awful weather, 
uh, weather that you do not see very often. Maybe maybe one game a year you see something like that, and may, and probably not to that degree even for the full three hours. So uh, pretty pretty adverse circumstances weather wise. Uh, I won't sum everything up here because I'm gonna let uh, my fine co-host start to do that. But guys, certainly uh, with what we did see, again, did not see the whole uh, range of playbook. And look, there were some obviously some statements from Hugh Freeze that we knew we weren't going to see a bunch of cool, amazing things. But obviously weather hampered that, and uh, now it's come and gone. And and uh, I don't know what stood out to you guys from from a day. It's always interesting trying to judge A-Day because anytime something good happens for the offense, it means somebody screwed up on the defense and you want both sides to do well. So seeing something, you know, the, the biggest example of this I can think of is, hey, the offensive line just did not look terrible. The offensive line looked competent for the first time in a while. But is that more a result of, hey, the defensive line isn't, isn't playing well, the linebackers are not being where they should be? Or, or is the offensive line really that good? You know, we, we saw some things from, uh, I think, Connor Liu started at left guard in this game. And I'll, I'll be totally honest, I did not watch all of this game. I was, uh, I was, this is, I was using this time to drive to Sumter, Sumter County, Georgia. But it, it, when you look at the way the offensive line played, you can go, well, dang, the offensive line looked really good for the first time in a while. That's a plus. You can also go, man, the defense just didn't fill the run lanes very well, and Auburn wasn't a very good run-stopping team last year. Are we going to see more of that? Um, it's a, it's always a catch-22 with these intra-squad games, so he, I will say that I expect Auburn to lean heavily on the running game next year, but that's about the only takeaway that I really think you can have that, and I'm expecting Auburn to go out and get a quarterback. I was already expecting it, now I'm heavily expectant that they will go out and get a quarterback in the portal. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at how the, you know, obviously the defense was spotted 24 points, so they they, they did their job, you know, uh, going out and playing. But, you know, the offensive side of the ball, that I think that's what everybody's, you know, focused on. That's what, you you know, you should be looking at, especially with Hugh Freeze coming in. Um, Holden Gurner was the, the best quarterback by percentage. Uh, he was three for five uh, from uh, completion. He threw the ball more at least. Uh, but it was only for 17 yards. Robbie Ashford only completed one pass. He got, that was a 39-yard pass to uh, Dawson to um, to Char- to Varsh Dawson. And to make sure I got his name right. Uh, and then, Chick, they call him. And then yeah, maybe I'll just start calling him Chick. Chick Dawson. There. Um, and then you know you you look at the rushing offense. The guys that you you expect that's going to be the the number one guy, which is going to be Jarquez Hunter, only carried the ball four times for 27 yards. The big rusher on the day was Sean Jackson, who had 13 carries for 77 yards. And then you had uh, Jason Jones, who had 11 carries for 50 yards and a touchdown. Robbie Ashford also had a rushing touchdown. You know, it, it it's like you said, the, the rain hampered a lot of things. The format was changed about three times from when we first heard it. Uh, be announced because it was supposed to be a 60-minute running clock, and then they went to four quarters with a break in between each quarter, with a you know two-minute break in between each quarter, and then they were like, "No, we'll just do three separate periods, but no breaks." And so it was just it it cha- things changed, the formats changed, um, and you you didn't get to see it. And like Hugh Freeze said, they wanted to air it out a little bit more. Obviously, you know the game plan changed because of the weather, but I'm, I'm with I, I think I'm I'm you know I, I could see a on whatever it is, September 6th or 2nd or whatever it is that you kick off against uh, UMass, I could see a, a, a scenario where a Robbie Ashford uh, is out there as the quarter, as the starting quarterback in this offense. 
Um, I could also see a scenario, like you were talking about, Brant, where they go out and get a quarterback in the portal. And I think a lot of different people are, are you know, on that train. And, I, you know, I, I think that it would probably be a smart idea to go out and find a quarterback in the portal and uh, see if you could get someone in that can, you know, at least push Robbie Ashford and push TJ Finley and push Holden Gurner to be better, uh, if not win the job. But, yeah, it, it wasn't anything too spectacular it wasn't anything that you should you know you look at it and you come away you know upset about you're like oh no it was just a it was just a mad day because of the weather and you you really can't get a gauge on how this team's going to play come come august or come september because you still got like you freeze has said you still have a long way to go um you still got a you know a lot of stuff to put in and to that the on saturday just you know wasn't the conditions that you wanted to have to be able to do what you even wanted to do. So even though he said, you know, he basically without saying it said they were going to go vanilla. It felt like they went even more vanilla when the, the weather did not allow them to, you know, do some, do some passing as much passing as he, as uh, coach free. So they wanted to. So here's, I have several takeaways. This might take a moment. That's okay. I, I yap for a living and here I will yap. Um, so first from the running game perspective, because that's, that's the bulk of what we saw. And it's going to be kind of hard to judge receivers, QBs on a day like that when we also only saw 12 or 13 passes. And really what we're looking at is how the offensive line do, how the D-line do, how the running backs do. I mean, that's that's the brunt of it. And I, I want to remind you, you know, last week we talked about, okay, let's try and judge this more relative to last year's team because we are closer to last season than we are to the next season. So a lot of these guys, you've not gone through a whole full developmental year yet. Some of the development takes place in the summer with your own personal workout. Some of it obviously takes place through the fall before you start the season. So uh, I think that it's, again, very relevant to remind you of what the team was like last year as opposed to uh, what you think it might become this year and that sort of thing. Okay, so Auburn defensively last year, was 105th in the nation at allowing yards per carries. So they were towards the bottom in rush defense on yards per carries. Now, obviously, some teams in this league spread it out and threw it a lot, and so maybe they didn't rank 105th in in total rush defense, but they were 105 in yards per carry allowed. So that was not a good run-stop team last year. And we saw that Auburn brought back some of their interior guys, but some of the edge guys gone, including Derek Hall, who's obviously more relevant to a, uh, a rushing the pass passer deal, uh, but is nevertheless going to be a late first, early second round pick in the draft here in a few weeks. So that I don't, what I'm saying is that was not a great defensive line last year, and it's probably not going to be a good run-stopping line, at least at the start of the year this year. So... When we see the offensive line moving them around a little bit, yes, obviously that's a that's a check in the box for the offensive line, but it does not overly excite me just yet because they are working against probably one of the lesser D lines, D lines out there. So that that would be something where I would more so lean towards okay, defensive line definitely needs some work up front, but good start for the offense line. Again, not trying to disparage the offense line. Said you accomplished nothing. You know, that's not true either, but they are working against a D line that's preset uh, to, to struggle. All right. And so then I look at, all right, so what did some of the running backs do? How did they run? Obviously we love uh, what we see out of Jarquez Hunter, both on the field last year and then developing 
uh, and he did not have a lot of carries because we already kind of know what he's got. Uh, Brian Batty kind of stood out to me as somebody that seems like a really boomer bust running back. He feels like he is not always going to be willing to run that thing up the middle and take hits, but he busted it outside a couple times. So the book might become pretty obvious on Batty over time, but you might have a potential home run hitter in Batty uh, you know, as a as a backup guy. Um, I liked what I saw out of Damari Austin. I thought he was definitely more physical, made some moves in the middle. Seems like a guy that could definitely take the weight of many carries if he needed to. You know, we saw Sean Jackson, some of the other guys, a lot too. I unfortunately, although those were good performances as well, I kind of chalked those more up to um, the the okay, cool story in the spring, but that's not going to actually amount to palpable playing time in the fall. And and just because the running back room is the room that we probably believe most in on this entire team. I mean, there are there are three guys, or at least two, but probably three guys that everyone likes, and that does not include Jeremiah Cobb, who we've not seen yet. So uh, the the running back room is deep and. Even though it was great for what was it, Jason Jones, yeah, uh, and and, and uh, Sean Jackson to get out there, get some carries, and do some good things. That's probably not real. That's that's probably not something that's going to uh, uh, translate to playing time in the fall. They did say they like Sean Jackson as a blocker. All right, maybe random third down. I don't know, but but not likely going to get much playing sure time. yardage. But late career Jerome Bettis. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and so, long story short, with the running backs though, I think Batty offers something that Austin does not offer and Austin offers something potentially that Hunter does not offer. And and that is something you want to see if you're going to play multiple backs and have that kind of depth. And so I liked what I saw the running backs again, defensive line, they were blocked pretty easily uh, at times. There was some movement on that line of scrimmage. So maybe you want to pick at something there. Again, DB wise, we just did not see a lot of pass attempts. We do need to talk about the passing though, although it was brief. Um, you know, I, I saw some receivers obviously drop some balls that were high. Now, that is a product of multiple things. It's a product of the rain. That's a product of, hey, this throw was over your head um, and, and is not the 100% easiest catch in the world. So I really don't know what to do with the wide receivers. They did gain some space a couple of times. They were covered a couple of times. The, the quarterback play, though, look, we did not get to see a lot of passes to really go – full detail here but what we did see is the best pass of the day was clearly Robbie Ashford's pass up the seam that was clearly the best pass that he won I guess offensive MVP for that so that was a good throw we've seen him make that kind of throw before I'm not saying that that is breaking news because I feel like of the passes that Ashford was able to make last year uh, some of them were kind of either on the run or moving towards the line of scrimmage throwing them pretty deep those were some of his most impressive throws and so Again, that is something he's capable of making, and it was a great play for him to make. Uh, we, we didn't see Gurner a whole lot. Uh, he did complete the two-point play on the ground, which looked kind of funky, uh, and he had a few short pass attempts that he completed. Nothing really to really make you salivate. Again, conditions relevant there. The TJ Finley looked to be pretty clearly negative. I, mean, I don't know how you would spin 
a positive out of TJ Finley's day. Uh, that being because we got the opportunity to hear, if you were watching the TV broadcast on SEC Plus, Hugh Freeze was being interviewed by Chris Doring, friend of the program, has been on at, at Media Days numerous times. Chris Doring was talking to Hugh Freeze as TJ Finley was running offense, and oh, it was not good. Uh, multiple plays, Hugh Freeze basically kind of live commentated that's not the right read, or that's not how the footwork should have gone. So while while he was commentating, while he was with Chris Doring, you had the TJ Finley threw into triple coverage play, which did not make Hugh Freeze happy. I think they got a defensive pass interference on that because someone panicked in the back end. But but again, Hugh Freeze said that's not the right decision there. You don't throw it in the triple coverage. And then secondly, uh, a throw that's making the rounds is that little drag route where TJ Finley steps up even though he really didn't need to, and fires one uh, wide of the, the, the guy five yards in front of him. Well, again, that was being commented on live by Hugh Freeze, and Hugh Freeze says, I don't know why he left the pocket there. Uh, that that he, should have, he did not need to evacuate the pocket and throw on the run. So live reaction was not good, even from the head coach of TJ Finley now. Finley says he's going to graduate soon, and he said he may or may not stay at Auburn. He, I mean, that's what he publicly said. I would think he's not staying at Auburn. I, I think most people have believed that through the process. However, the process has continued. He's continued to be here. Uh, but I definitely think if you're power-ranking quarterbacks, Gurner, just a solid neutral. There's just not much you could have seen out of five pass attempts. You kind of got that, okay, he's not going to be a very quick on his feet. Get it? Uh, with Ashford, I don't know if you could say his stock improved. It might have been the one that that took the best PR because of that pass. Because again, you got to see him run around and and be fast and it, very hard to catch him. And then I think you saw another clear negative with TJ Finley that he's just not an SEC quarterback. He's just not. And I think we all understand that at this point. He's had multiple years in this league at two different high level programs to prove it. And he hasn't done it. He doesn't get it. And so I think his stock took uh, took a little bit of a hit. Not that it was necessarily that high, but if you, in case you were wondering, yeah, the stock's still low. So that's a long breakdown. Any, got, any thoughts from you guys before we take our first break? Anything you want to add, subtract on, or, uh, or should we go ahead and take our first break? I'm going to leave it up to you. Any, anything you want to add? Brooks, do you have anything? Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's – like 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 we said, it, it's it, it's there's there's some there's things to take away. Obvious, like you know, I was talking about. Obviously, the guys that got a lot of the carries uh, on the running back side of things are not the guys that you're going to see. And I think that's typical for a for a spring game where you're going to see. You know, you already know when when you've got guys that are capable of being your starting running backs, you know who's going to who's going to carry the rock next year, and so you're not going to you know run them as much, risk getting hurt in that spring game. You're gonna you're gonna put your guys out there. That's why Jackson and and Jones were the two primary ball carriers um, for that one. Um, yeah, and then you know it, it's you know like Brant was saying, and a lot of people are saying it's pop, you know, probably probable. That's what I'm trying to say. Probable that the the that Hugh Freeze goes out and tries to find someone at the uh, at the quarterback position in in that in the transfer portal that which opens up on Saturday um, and there's a lot of spring games going on on Saturday so I think you're going to see a lot of people on either Saturday afternoon or maybe Sunday you're going to see a lot of uh, transfer portal 
uh, activity jumping in because there, there's some big games on Saturday. I think Georgia plays Saturday. I think LSU plays Saturday. I think South Carolina plays Saturday. You're going to see a lot of a lot of names hopping in that portal after after this this weekend's uh, slate. I know Alabama doesn't play till next weekend, so that that's a big. Um, that's that's a big one. You 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 know you usually see a couple guys from Alabama that's not going to get a lot of playing time. They jump in and they got to wait a week to to see what they're going to do. Um, but yeah, it it's it it's a spring game. There there's obviously quite a few, you know some takeaways. Uh, but then you know when once you look at those, you're you look at you know what what this team's going to look like next year, and you're you're saying well. The, it was it was it was a game. It was a spring game, and it was we'll, a game. We'll see what happens when they when they hit fall ball here in a couple months. Always good to get your eyes on everything, but again, it just on top of the belief that spring games, when you're playing yourself, don't show you everything you want to see. Adding on a weather condition that only happens once or twice a year. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I could not think of a of a worse situation for the spring game. So. Uh, very unfortunate, but still, we will continue to adjust it. Got a couple more points on the portal quarterback. We'll talk a little bit later about what Hugh Freeze had to say about uh, his quarterback battle as we continue on with the show today. But we need to take our first time out of the show. When we come back, we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday. Ryan Brooks and Brant with you here. Good first segment talking Auburn A-Day. We will get back to that a little later. And, of course, if you want to bring it up on our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 are the numbers to do that. Let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. First up on the show, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing? I'm good. I am good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all uh, were talking about the A-Day game, and I was actually at that game on Saturday, and I did see Robbie Ashford. Um, I actually saw um, some mistakes that Robbie Ashford made in the first quarter of the game, and I think that Hugh Freeze wasn't looking at the mistakes. He was just looking at what – uh, Robbie Ashford is going to do for us this coming up fall season when we actually play on September the 2nd when we play against uh, UMass University at home in Jordan-Hare Stadium. So I think uh, Robbie Ashford needs a lot of work uh, before, you know, before the uh, first game of, their, of the 2023 opening season. Well, James, I'm proud of you for going to that game because not a whole lot of people ended up going to A-Day because of all the rain. Yeah, so I was actually um, I was behind schedule, so I just had to, you know, I had to make some little 
you know, detours, but I actually uh, sent out a tweet on um, Twitter telling the guys I were going to be on my way, and I made it in, in, in less than a record time, so that's good for me. And, uh, you know, showing, showing my support as an Auburn fan, that, that, that means a lot to the Auburn uh, nation as well for what I've done to, you know, make that, that long trip uh from where I'm at now to Auburn as well. So that was a, a a long trip for me and I was uh you know, while I was taking that trip I was actually looking at like, you know, what what I was gonna, you know, look at when I got there to Jordan Hare Stadium and seeing what Robbie Ashford is gonna do and seeing some of the seeing some of the new players that are gonna be on the team this year as well, so I'm hoping that we'll make it to the national championship game this year as well. Uh, did you do any other uh, fun things when you were in Auburn? Um, actually, I did. I actually did do some uh, great uh, things after the game was over. I actually stepped into the uh, Sky Bar and actually did daytime karaoke for the first time, actually, and it was awesome. And getting to see some new faces that I haven't seen that I'm going to be actually seeing uh, this coming up fall when when uh, the Sky Bar Cafe actually do karaoke once again as well. So it was really nice and uh, very interesting for me as well. All right. You did some karaoke. Uh, do you remember any of the songs that you sang? Mm, I actually do. I actually do know some songs that I was singing. I was singing uh, Celine Dion. Um, what song was it? It was um, all by myself. I was singing that one, and it was one of my uh, first. My that was one of my favorite songs that Celine Dion has ever uh, done in her performance. So I had to sing that one as well because I'm a huge fan of her music and what she's done over the years. And I'm hoping that she would uh, drop some great uh, songs in the near future as well. Yeah, that is a great song uh, by Celine Dion. What what else you got? Or did did, did what other songs did you have uh, on your set list? Um, I was singing Bon Jovi, okay. uh, "Living on a Prayer." All right, good one. You know that that was um, a very memorable one for me, and I had to do that one because I know it was um, uh, I know it was Rob's uh, favorite song for um, for for them. You know, because I know they're huge. Uh, there were huge Bon Jovi fans as well. And I had to do that one in in their memory for them as well because I've, you know, they're they're really good close friends of mine, and I've been listening uh, to Rob Grambling uh, do the play by play for all sports in Auburn. So that that was, um, you know, that song right there was for them as well. And he's a great a great person for me as a Auburn fan to listen to him and uh, getting to hear his voice all the time and every time as well. Yeah, the, the, the Bramlets didn't really love Bon Jovi. So you had Celine Dion, you had Bon Jovi. Is that all, or did you, did you keep going? Um, I was actually going into like the, older, like the older genre of music as well. I, went, um, I did like some voice to men, and uh, I, I really had to do a little bit of... Um, a little bit of uh, new songs that I couldn't get to, so I just had to keep those in in the vault. So when when things get a little bit uh, better and I get to see more crowds, 
uh, coming out, then I'll do like other songs as well. Well, that sounds like that was a, re- a really fun day for you, James. And I, I guess when you come back in the fall, you'll have to let us know all the songs that you sing then. Uh, I sure would. And I would uh, love for you all to actually come and uh, hear me uh, perform. Yeah, we will have to see uh, We'll have to see what the schedule is like uh, when you come back in town. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually going to be watching the WNBA draft and seeing if uh, some WNBA teams are actually going to uh, pick some of these. Uh, beautiful ladies from uh, certain teams in college as well, and maybe get a a, a sight on if uh, South Carolina, if one of the South Carolina players might make it into the uh, WNBA draft tonight as well. Yeah, Leah Boston, I think uh, she's going to go very, very early in the WNBA draft. Uh, I don't think she'll have to wait long till her name is called. Yeah, so when they actually uh, start off on the first round, I think it's the first round today, and the second round is tomorrow on Tuesday. So I'm thinking from South Carolina, I think I would probably see uh, Bonner. I'll probably see her actually go with, like, the Minnesota Lynx or the L.A. Sparks. One of those two teams might pick her up as well, so I'm just going to see if that's going to be in their – you know, first round of the 2023 uh, WNBA uh, draft as well. Are you excited for the beginning of the NBA playoffs coming up here in, the, in a day or two? I am. I am so excited for the NBA uh, play-in play tournament. This is going to be my first time ever seeing this kind of tournament come to the, uh, to the NBA and uh, seeing some great players and uh, seeing if they're going to make it to the finals, which comes up in June. In a couple of months, in a couple of months from now, so I'm 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 seeing like some different teams I might be picking for the NBA Finals. I'm looking at Atlanta, and I'm seeing if Atlanta is going to win tonight. So I do have Atlanta favorite to win because I know they're going to play in Atlanta. So I think Atlanta, the Atlanta Hawks, I think they have a a huge chance of making it to the NBA Finals this year as well. Yeah, so their their first playing game uh, is against the Miami Heat in Miami tomorrow, and then if they are not able to win, they would pl- then play a game in Atlanta against whoever won that nine ten game. So they do have to uh, get through the play in first. But okay, you're going with the upset minded Hawks then. Yes, that's all because I think with with the uh, Atlanta uh, with the Atlanta Hawks, I, I mean they they should make it into the tournament into the playoffs. So, I mean, Atlanta, they I don't know if they made it, you know, in years past in years history to make it to the NBA finals, but I think it's the Atlanta's turn to actually make it to the NBA finals as well and actually edge their name in Atlanta history with, you know, some of the some of the uh, Atlanta teams that are out there in Atlanta, Georgia, as well. Uh, who do you think Atlanta will play in the NBA Finals? Um, I'm looking at the Min- the Memphis Grizzlies and the Atlanta Hawks, and I think the Atlanta Hawks will beat the Memphis the Memphis Grizzlies because I think they're not going to be a uh, they they don't look like a play on a, a playoff contender in the NBA Finals this year, so I don't know who they're playing, but I think it would be it would be a really good matchup to see Atlanta and 
the Memphis Grizzlies actually meet up in the in the tournament as well. Definitely can see Memphis being in there. Atlanta would be a little bit surprising, but uh, that is a, a matchup that can can happen. So we will we will see if that's what occurs. Any uh, any final thoughts for us today, James? Um, I don't have any final thoughts as well, but I know uh, last couple of weeks I was uh, going to get the NFL draft trivia, so I'll take that tomorrow as well. And then with that, I do have some uh, NFL draft memories that I've uh, seen over the years, and I'll tell you all all about that on tomorrow's show as well. All right, NFL draft trivia and NFL draft memories tomorrow. Got it. All right. Sounds good, and uh, War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Always appreciate James for calling in to the show. We need to take our final time out of hour number one. More sports call after the break. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress with you here. Uh, appreciate the phone call from James from Montgomery. Coming up in hour number two, we will hear from Kevin Ives. He is at AUPPL on Twitter. He will talk to us about Auburn baseball. Did win one out of three over the, I don't want to really say weekend. It was all done by Friday night, but one out of three in their last SEC series. We'll talk to him about that, what's ahead for Auburn, which, uh, spoiler alert, is a trip to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, for a three-game set with Alabama this weekend. So we'll talk to him about that. We'll also have retired Ward named Steve on the Auburn Bank phone line in the 4 o'clock hour as well. But just a few more minutes left in this hour. Let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in sports is presented by Max Credit Union. Got a good list of birthdays today. Mel Blunt turned 76, former corner for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Blunt was born in Georgia and was a star in football, baseball, and basketball and track. Played college football at Southern University. Let's go Jags. Where he was an All-American. Was taken by the Steelers in the third round of the 1970 draft. Spent his entire 14-year career in Pittsburgh. Five-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, one-time NFL interceptions leader, and NFL Defensive Player of the Year, four-time Super Bowl champion. Mel Blunt turns 76 today. Ken Griffey Sr. turns 74. Former MLB outfielder, Griffey was born in Pennsylvania, was considered a better football player than baseball player originally, but played baseball instead after being drafted by the Reds in 1969. Made his debut with the Reds in 1973, played eight years in Cincinnati, 
played 18 seasons overall, was a three-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion with the Reds. He's a member of the Reds Hall of Fame and got to play with his son, Ken Griffey Jr., in Seattle, which was a very cool uh, moment in the sport of baseball. Ken Griffey Sr. turns 74 today. I was going to say, one of his accomplishments is fathering another All-Star. Fathering one of the greats of all time. Absolutely. Corey Kluber turns 38, pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. Kluber was born in Texas and attended Stetson University. Go Hatters! As a sophomore, he was an A-Sun pitcher of the year, was drafted by the Padres in 2007, made his MLB debut with the Indians in 2011, three-time All-Star, two-time AL win leader, and two-time AL Cy Young winner. I feel like for a two-time Cy Young winner, not a lot about Corey Kluber, not as much attention on him, I guess, uh, his uh, his drop was a little more precipitous here at the end of his career, but still, Corey Kluber, the two-time American League Cy Young Award winner, turns 38 today. Charlie Culberson, not Dansby Swanson, turns 35, utility man for the Atlanta Braves. Culberson was born in Rome, Georgia, led Calhoun High School to a state championship in 2005, taken in the first round the 07 draft by the Giants, made his MLB debut in 2012. He has bounced around the league a little bit, currently in the Braves farm system after playing last year with the Texas Rangers. Charlie Culberson turns 35 today. And Zach Levine turns 29, shooting guard for the Chicago Bulls. Levine was born in Seattle, was Mr. Basketball for the state of Washington as a senior. He's also an All-American, played college basketball at UCLA. Go Bruins! Where he made a Pac-12 All-Freshman team, was taken 13th overall. By the Timberwolves in 2014, two-time All-Star, two-time Slam Dunk Contest winner, about to play in the play-in for the Bulls. Zach Levine turns 29 today. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Again, Mel Blunt, Ken Griffey Sr., Corey Clifford, Charlie Culperson, and Zach Levine. Really good list and a really diverse list right there for the uh, big three are all concerned. Got a, got a member of all three, uh, NFL, NBA, and MLB. Just about two minutes left in the show uh, in this first hour. Again, a little preview for what's on deck throughout the week. Again, we're going to have um, another week of shortened shows. Uh, that is weather permitting, of course, at the, this time of year. But uh, this will be the only full show if weather allows for the various softball, baseball games that we've got going on through the week. We'll be getting off air about 4.45 uh, tomorrow for Beauregard softball. I think Wednesday we've got Auburn softball. I think that's a 5.45 start. Uh, for Auburn softball on Wednesday? On Wednesday, I think. So we would yeah. have most of a show be off there about 5.15, 5.20. Thursday would be a Beauregard baseball game. That would be about a 4.15 show in time. And then Friday, an Auburn softball game here against LSU. That is a 4.45 airtime. It's beginning off here about 4.30. Again, there is some weather in the forecast by the end of the week, maybe Thursday or Friday. So keep it right here. But uh, for now, this is going to be the only full show of the week. Uh, there will be a time, though. I mean, this is really the last month. Once we get into May, uh, once Auburn softball concludes, then uh, we'll be three hours a day, five days a week. All the sports uh, called glory will be back. Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll have plenty of the wacky segments, plenty of the listing, off-season banter that you've come to expect. So, uh, again, Auburn softball, Auburn baseball, keeping us busy this time of year, also the, the high school sports. Uh, when we come back from this hour break, we will talk to Kevin Ives uh, about this Auburn baseball team again 
I think everyone can gather by now. The pitching is rough. It is 13th in the SEC. Uh, it is barely 13th. Mississippi State is not far behind it. Both teams about six and a half ERA. And Auburn just struggling to, to pitch, and, and that is getting them in trouble. We'll talk about the significance of these next couple of series with Kevin coming up. After this timeout, you are listening to this Monday edition of Sports Call. We'll be right back with Kevin Ives on our Auburn Bank phone line after this. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lloyd, and I've got Brooks Childress and Brent Daughtry with me here today. And we are pleased to go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. And we welcome in Kevin Ives at AUPPL on Twitter to talk some Auburn baseball with us. Kevin, I hope you're doing well, sir. Thanks for being on the program again. I'm doing good. How are y'all? Doing very well. Uh, obviously, Auburn baseball right now uh, having some issues on the mound. We will get to those in a little bit. Uh, was supposed to be a, a picture-perfect weekend as far as pairing A-Day with the Frank Thomas statue unveiling. And, of course, Mother Nature did have something to say about that this past weekend. But all in all, uh, grade the weekend here for, for Auburn and uh, just how cool was it that, that the Frank Thomas statue uh, is here and that Frank was able to be at the ballpark throughout the weekend? Well, I think that's two different things. I think the, the weekend uh, on the field uh, was definitely not what Auburn was hoping for or really expected, uh, really only winning one game, going one for four throughout the week with a midweek loss to UAB and – um, not being able to complete a little doubleheader sweep on Friday uh, with the game being adjusted and, and moved up. But outside of that, all the festivities around the stadium and having the Frank Thomas statue unveiling, having Frank in town speaking to the team, um, having the little pop-up shop, which I know a lot of fans went to and got a lot of gear, a little retro Auburn baseball gear and stuff like that. That was all great, and that's all 
fantastic, and that's that's stuff that um, you're able to look back on, um, you know, as the years to come because you'll see the statue and um, realize that there's still alumni that have made a difference, uh, both on and off the field, and um, you know, it's just another selling point for the school. Um, so all the all the stuff with with Frank Thomas and the big herd and all that was great, and it was a, a big deal for Auburn baseball, and it will be a big deal for year to co- years to come. Um, but right now, the actual like play on the field still has some things to work out, and still has some things to kind of um, do and and do pretty fast if they want to try to right the ship at this point. Kevin, I asked you a couple of weeks ago if you were going to start panicking about uh, the the state of this this pitching staff, the bullpen especially, and and the the day three uh, pitchers. But and you said that you weren't ready quite to panic yet. Uh, now that we're a couple of weeks in, has that changed at all? Are you still uh, holding out, or or do you think it's time to get worried about the back end of this rotation? I don't know if I'm I'm that worried. This is this week right here will be kind of the make or break week, in all honesty, because. You've got a midweek game at Georgia Tech, and then you've got a series at Alabama. And, you know, those are games where you really need those wins. Um, you really need guys to kind of step up. You've at least had, because of the weather, have a little bit extra time to rest and refocus and work on yourselves a little bit because you basically had Saturday, probably took Sunday off, probably took Saturday off too, but Monday. But you've got time to kind of recuperate a little bit. You've got at least one part of your um, injured staff back in Tommy Sheehan. Um, you know, he pitched Tuesday and, and Friday, uh, did the start on Friday. And so you're kind of getting back a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is something that, you, that you're that you kind of worried about. Um, and you're worried about how um, Auburn's going to respond um, and fix things because they're really running out of options on the mound, uh, number one, and they're just running out of chances. Um, and so the, the offense can really only do so much to kind of keep up with the with the lack of pitching. Um, they can't be expected to score, you know, double digit runs every game and kind of hold on. And so it's it's really going to be something that this week you're going to have to see a lot of drastic improvement uh, amongst guys. And really, the biggest thing is going to be cutting down on the walks um, and just throwing strikes. And that's going to start tomorrow night. Um, at the flats and to just see where Auburn is and see if anything has kind of changed because that, you know, bit them in the butt against UAB, it bit them in the butt big time this weekend and at Florida the previous weekend. It's those walks and free passes, um, giving them up and then putting more pressure on yourselves, which you didn't really need to do, um, and not being able to throw strikes. And so that's really the one thing you have to hit. If this weekend goes, Auburn, you know, comes out of this weekend, you know, two and two um, or winning, you're going to feel better. Uh, but if they end up again um, having a losing weekend, then, yeah, I mean, it's going to look pretty dire for the rest of the season because at that point you're, you're kind of losing hope that things will get fixed and you're running out of games to fix them. Kevin, we know some of the bigger names in the in the Auburn lineup, but I want to get your opinion on a guy who's had a couple of big series so far this year. What if you, what's been your thought on the play of Cooper McMurray so far this year for the Tigers? He's been real. I mean – he was hobbled for a bit for injury, um, and he's come back just swinging tremendously. And he's added another power bat that's been able to kind of both protect guys like Irish and Bryson Ware um, and adds a little bit more pop to the lineup and is a little bit more dangerous. Um, and he's phenomenal at first base, too. Um, and so he's been being able to hold his own defensively there. So he's a really, really good addition, had a great week, 
Um, and he's really did not really miss a, a beat coming back from the injury. Um, and so as he, you know, as the weather stays hot, warms up, you know, that the ball is going to tend to fly out a little bit more. Um, and so you're kind of hoping that those power numbers increase, um, his ability to get on base increases. And then that's one less hole in the lineup that you have to kind of deal with. And it makes it even more difficult for opposing pitching staff to try to navigate through. And then, Kevin, you know, we, we talked about the struggles the pitching staff has had. One guy that uh, Auburn baseball chose to uh, talk or to, to kind of push forward this weekend, uh, talk about his positive performance over the, the last week, was Parker Carlson, the sophomore out of Mobile. What, what did you see from him so far this year and then this weekend? I think he's, he goes along with kind of one of the things that you don't, you didn't really realize going into the year how young the pitching staff was. I mean, Parker's the guy that, that was, I think, was pitching at Penn State Academy just last year. I mean, now he's competing on an SEC level, and he's had—he's been one of the guys that's been able to kind of throw strikes and work his stuff as much as he needs to. Um, and so that's one of the things, like seeing how he's developed, um, seeing how guys like Zach Crotchfeld have developed, um, even Drew Nelson, like those younger guys. You know, they're getting—they're taking some lumps. You know, you can't look past that. But they're also kind of holding their end. They're getting that experience. And so long-term, it's a really, really a positive because you know that's a guy that you can, you know, hopefully stays healthy and you're going to get him for his sophomore and junior years and potentially his senior year as well. So him and there's a, there's a couple other guys that kind of are making a, um, a good core of that pitching staff as freshmen or redshirt freshmen. And, um, you know, as they develop and mature, Auburn's going to get better. And honestly, there, it's a lot of trial by fire for all of them, you know, Parker especially, to where – um, you're just going to have to – you were recruited, you came to Auburn for a reason, um, and you're just not going to be eased into anything at this point. Now you're, um, you're really going to be expected to contribute and hopefully contribute well. With some big-picture items for you, Kevin, uh, obviously at this point in the year you're about halfway through SEC play. You've played over half the scheduled regular, regular season games. At what point uh, – because unfortunately Auburn is – is heading spiraling towards this direction. At what point do you start worrying about a the NCAA tournament and then b uh, the opportunity to go to, to Hoover even for the for the SEC tournament? Because I know that that obviously the the expectation for Auburn is to make the NCAA tournament, make Hoover every single year, and they're still in good position at least for the SEC tournament. But I mean, we, we understand the next couple of series are against teams that are right around them in the standings. So, are you already putting an emphasis on these types of series when it when it comes to postseason play, or do you think it's still too early? I, I don't think it's too. It's never too early, in all honesty. And, and it really, like I said, it's going to start this weekend at Alabama. You know, getting a series in Tuscaloosa is going to give you you know one leg up on Alabama um, in the SEC standings, and then you're going to get. Mississippi State and Ole Miss at home, and then they, Mississippi State at home and Ole Miss on the road. Two teams that have struggled, um, and so you kind of hope to take advantage of that. Um, and then you know at the other end, you still have LSU coming here and going to Carolina. As long as you don't get swept in those series, and then take that last series against Missouri, you're good for the SEC tournament and the and at that point the NCAA tournament because the RPI is going to shake itself out. Um, but it, it's really those series against. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and this weekend against Alabama that are kind of the defining series for Auburn. And even if Auburn were to drop the series against Alabama, it's still not the end of the world at that point because you you really, between those three schools, you want to take two. You have to take two of those three series. You don't want to. You have to take two of those three series. 
Um, and if you take all three, then you've kind of got a little bit of breathing room. But um, you never know, and, and that's one of the good and bad things about baseball. You can go as, as cold as Auburn is right now, they can heat up just as quickly. And so, you know, one good winning streak um, and a little bit of sustained momentum, and it'll really kind of push you through. And you saw that, um, you know, you've seen that in the past years with these Auburn teams to where if you, you know, you get that kind of big chunk um, chunk of momentum and chunk, chunks of wins, and it really kind of carries forward um, into the postseason. Um, and so it'll, it'll work itself out. Um, you know, right now it's, it's really just a one-game-at-a-time one mentality, especially going to Georgia Tech um, where you're going to be tested there, and then you're starting basically a, a big road trip these next four games. Talking to Kevin Ives here on this Monday edition of Sports Call. And so, Kevin, with this pitching staff, I mean, obviously it's just not gone according to plan. Uh, if you were managing this team, how would you try and piece together uh, this pitching staff, not only for SEC series, but even as we always talk about throughout the year, you know, me- meaningful midweek games. Like, obviously, this week against Georgia Tech, that's a, a quality opponent uh, to go play in Atlanta, something that means something between the two schools. How, how do you navigate a pitching staff that, that's just struggling so mightily? I think at that point, at this point, you, you can't take it. You, it's, you're going to do, nobody's going to really have a defined role, and it's going to be an all hands on deck situation because. Um, at the end of the day, it is kind of a, it is a team sport, and so you can't have a guy that you're like, okay, we know that he's definitely a starter. He's not going to be a reliever. Uh, you're, at this point, you want to win games, and so you're going to put anybody out there to win the game that you're playing that day, and then whatever happens later happens later. And so you know that starts tonight uh, or starts tomorrow night. Um, I think Chase Olson's getting the start, and it's going to be you want him to have a good outing and set the tone for the rest of the week because he's really going to dictate everything else. I think at this point, anybody could start, uh, anybody could close, anybody could be a reliever. And so it, it's, you just have to get out. And the guys that are, that are hot and are consistent are going to get the more innings um, until they start to cool down, and then you hope another guy is ready to go. Um, and then at, at some point, you kind of hope that it levels itself out and you can start to define those roles again as you get to those last two or three weeks of the season. But right now, Auburn just Auburn has to find guys that can get outs and can get outs consistently. And when they find those, they're going to stick with them. Talking to Kevin Ives here on this Monday edition of Sports Call. Last thing for you, Kevin. So we look ahead to this week, obviously, uh, the Georgia Tech game in the midweek, but then the Alabama series, which is obviously important to uh, just about every Auburn Tiger out there. Uh, preview that series for us, Kevin, and some of the key guys, key matchups that you're looking forward to. I mean, it's Alabama's a team that you know had some pretty high expectations going into the season, um, and you know they made a regional for the first time in a in a, in a little bit last season. Um, you know, unfortunately, got sent down. I think the Louisiana Tech regional that may have been two years ago, but um, you know they're 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 a team that's kind of right now at the same level. They've got talent. They have a lot of talent. Um, Lou Jarvis's little brother. Um, I forget his name, but we just call him Baby Jarvis. But um, he's normally their leadoff guy, and he's going to set the tone for them offensively. Um, it's it's really a team that's going to that's very similar to Auburn. Um, they can put up a lot of runs, but they can also give up a lot of runs. Um, and it's really just going to be a situation of who is hot and hotter this weekend. And I know, and unfortunately, it's, it's going to be the case that a lot of people, a lot of maybe casual Auburn fans 
are going to see the results and really kind of hinge whether or not this is a successful or unsuccessful season based on the results of this weekend. It's not really the case, but um, I think for, for Auburn, it's, it's still going to be one of these things that you have to take care of yourself um, and focus on yourself and not on the other team. Alabama's going to give them a fight, and they're just as hungry as Auburn is because, you know, they take this. if they take the series, then at this point they're feeling a little bit better about the rest of their year. Um, they've already kind of taken their lumps from a lot of teams. They've already, you know, taken that the two losses at Florida. They've already, you know, lost the series to Arkansas. Um, and so they're really in the same situation standing-wise and team-wise as Auburn is. And so that's, hopefully you think with those two being evenly matched that Auburn could kind of break through a little bit uh, with some of its leadership. Um, and that's kind of what you want to hope for and lean on um, going into this weekend. He's Kevin Ives at AUPPL Plainsman Parking Lot on Twitter. Kevin, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. We hope Auburn has a little better weekend on the diamond this week, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you very much, guys. Talk to you later. That is Kevin Ives joining us here on this Monday edition of Sports Call. Always appreciate Kevin for talking some Auburn baseball with us. We need to take our first time out here of the second hour. When we come back, retired Ward MC will join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call right here in Tiger 95.9. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Brand Daughtry with you here. If you miss anything at all, you can go check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Of course, we appreciate the partnership with them. We appreciate you for listening, even if you miss part of the show or you want to listen to something again. You can go back and check everything out on that Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line now, 334-887-341, locally, toll-free, one 9 Tiger Nine next up today. Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, thank you for waiting on hold, sir. Hope you had a great weekend and uh, good to be talking to you. Yes, I did because uh, I didn't go into the rain and the wind at 50 degrees uh, to see the game. I was able to watch it comfortably uh, from uh, my uh, residence here. Uh, did you guys uh, decide to risk it uh, Saturday? Uh, not, not, none of us. Uh, I think Cam, who's not uh, in the uh, station right now, I think he might have been there uh, shooting some video for someone else. But uh, no, we did, we did not attend. Okay, well then, I hope you had uh, guys a uh, happy and a restful uh, Easter weekend. Uh, yeah, we, we did. I, well, I'm speaking for Brooks here, but uh, uh, we did. Uh, I know. I personally, I, I worked a little bit on Saturday, and then other than that, um, just just took it easy. Well, I thought I'd give you guys a break from myself. Uh, Friday, I didn't call in. Uh, my daughter and I went and saw. Uh, it really, to me, I, I enjoyed the movie a lot. Uh, and it was Dungeons and Dragons: Battle Among Thieves. I heard that. I heard that got pretty good reviews and is doing pretty well at the box office. Yeah, I actually agree with Rotten Tomatoes on occasion. 
So it was worth it's worth us seeing and really watching it on um, a small or I don't care if you got eight five inch screen TV doesn't do justice to the special effects uh, that you see the movie screen. So that's really worth seeing. All right, moving on, guys. Uh, I enjoy listening to uh, the uh, comments and observations by uh, Mr. Uh, Ives. However, let's talk about the good and the bad, and the ugly in Auburn sports. Uh, for me, the good was Miss Pinta, Patty Pinta. Yep. If she, I mean, she, I think it was one game, I've got for which one it was now. She uh, had 136 pitches. Are yep. you serious? Yeah, that was game one in the series. Yep. I, I, I'd have had uh, no arm left. Uh, and, you know, she's outstanding, except she can't pitch every game. And Shelby Lowe, I don't know, guys, is, is she going to make a turnaround? Yeah, I mean, well, she came in there with with already first and second, no one out in the in the eighth. So she's uh, she's been on in relief a few times this year, and and it's been a mixed bag of results. And uh, honestly, you know, obviously Shelby pitched so well her freshman year. I just think injuries kind of uh, derailed uh, derailed her time. But uh, yeah, as far as as far as the the, the first game there, it, it, she kind of went into a difficult situation as it was. So. I don't really blame her for that. I think more so that they just needed some more offense earlier in that series. And realistically, I thought we probably uh, could have won uh, the uh, the series uh, from Florida because um, I think it was tied one to one, and then they did a walk off single in the uh, tenth inning, wasn't it? Uh, um, uh, yeah, two one, two two two, and then uh, you know they they played seven innings, so the the extra inning That's made right. it the eighth inning. So yeah, it was a two two. Then they lost, so they lost that three two, and then they lost game two six to three. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the bad then. And that eight days scrimmage, I watched it. And, uh, you know, well, I agree with your observations, uh, Ron. Uh, but T.J. Philly just doesn't seem to have improved any. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you, you heard it in straight, like Ryan was saying, you heard it straight from Hugh Freeze's mouth uh, that there was a lot of times that you, you know, he, he would make a play in the pocket or, you know, roll out, hit, hit a pass, or throw, try to he throw a pass, and it wasn't. in triple coverage. Yeah. I'm saying, what are you doing, man? Don't do it. That, that, that's what Hugh Freeze was saying, too. Oh, uh, uh, let's talk about the ugly. Now, uh, boy, before I go there, um, Ryan, you had some really good observation comments about uh, the performance of the, the team. Of course, you know, I was at the A-Day game uh, when Mr. Cam Newton only completed two passes, you know, sure. and threw some interceptions. So that's really not a prediction of what may or may not happen in uh, the season. I right now am, am confident. I'm saying nine stars out of ten that Robbie Asher is going to be our starting quarterback. I was uh, really pleased. Um, of course, he ran over time and um, probably could have scored a few times. Uh, but that nice throw, was it, uh, I think, to uh, uh, Dawson? Is that who it was, too, I think? 39-yard yeah. pass? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really, uh, I mean, well, well thrown, especially with the rain and the wind going on as it was. Uh, and then I was really struck by his comment saying that he didn't want to say anything bad about the previous coaching staff. He felt like they didn't really uh, coach him up to his potential. You saw that comment he made, right? I actually had not, but uh, it does not surprise me. Obviously, there's not a lot of uh, positive impact uh, that, that Brian Harson made on or off the field here. So, uh, stuff like that does not surprise me. Obviously, you want to try and be respectful, I guess, but at the same time, uh, not many pe- people were really improving under the, the, the former head coach. Yeah, well, this is an actual quote uh, I read today from Philip Marshall's column. Uh, he quote, he said, I don't want to say it in a bad way. 
but I don't feel like I was getting coached as good as I could have been, end quote. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the ugly, guys. And the real ugly for me is, uh, you want to guess? Oh, I don't know. How about a baseball pitching? Oh, yeah. It's walks yeah. and more walks. Right. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, Texas A&M, you know, had the same record as uh, we did going into that game, did they not? Yeah, the same conference record. Yeah, okay. And I don't know that their roster is any more talented than ours, is it? Um, I, I don't really know up and down the roster. I know that they were ranked pretty highly at one point this year, unlike Auburn. So I think the expectations, at least at one point, were a little bit higher. Um, but but I don't think it was necessarily a, a a vast difference between the two programs. And here we are playing at home. I thought there's no way we wouldn't win the series. Uh, where was I wrong, guys? I mean, there was absolutely a, a, obviously in hindsight, but. I mean, again, A and M is is still in a little better position right now. I mean, those are pretty even teams, but I, I still would expect A and M to be a little bit better on a neutral field. So uh, Auburn, obviously, you know, they scored plenty of runs, and when, when that's where the pitching comes in, and they, their pitching is just it's just gone off the tracks, and I'm not sure it's it's getting back on. So. I, I'm honestly not shocked because when you when you give up that many runs, you put yourself in just pressure situation to score and score and score, and, and I think that's going to be Auburn's reality. Brooks was reading me a stat uh, that that Auburn has scored five runs or more in twelve straight games. They're only six and six in, in those games, and if you score five runs or more in twelve straight games, I, I'd like you to be nine and three, ten and two at least. So. Uh, you know that that is unfortunately the reality of their staff that that they are scrambling to find uh, where arms should be pitching and just get some outs and and uh, so no, nothing unfortunately not too much would surprise me uh, with this team. Well, that's the ugly part, Ryan, and I, I don't know why it wasn't mentioned by uh, Mr. Ives, but the the walks that we had. I'm reading this because I watch the game, but I didn't you know it was this bad. We walked 13 batters in the first game of the Friday doubleheader. You know how many Texas A&M walked? Probably just a couple. One. Yeah. One. And then they out-hit us, and we still won 10-9, to surprisingly. Now, guys, are we missing Tim Hudson that bad? Or uh, you say you were scrambling. Why are we scrambling, guys? We're finding people that can throw strikes. I know I've asked it before, but I still am not getting an explanation that sounds plausible. Why is it? Well, because I mean, this is just not a very good pitching staff. I mean, the, but why is that? I, I I can't tell you every single reason why. Obviously, part of it was when you initially lose your very best pitcher, that's going to change the dynamic for the entire staff. That's going to put people in roles that they were not supposed to be in, and pitchers can be very finicky in terms of needing a a set role, even in the college level. Uh, set roles are in general better than just having guys come in whenever. Unfortunately, uh, they have not been able to to set those roles for players because some have not pitched as well, some have not been healthy, and, and so that has made the problem even worse. Um, but but certainly, you know these guys they're just not pitching well. They're not they've not been good, and 
I don't know the exact reason why. I don't know if that's more of a pitching coach issue. I don't know if they just missed on some guys. Um, you know, there there can be a little bit of all of it at, at the end of the day. Uh, so, you know, I don't I, I don't think you need to go down some, you know, rabbit hole of, uh, well, what's wrong with Butch Thompson or, or any other big, wide-ranging issue with the baseball program. They just went to the College World Series last year. But they are having a down year, and in particular because of pitching. And they're going to have to really develop some of these guys moving forward, or they're going to have to uh, do a little bit better job of finding a couple, couple of the right guys in the next recruiting class. Well, that was my I said, look, you know, which Thompson cannot be this bad evaluator, but how can this many pitchers be so darn bad at being able to throw strikes? Uh, I've read bloggers, you know, posting that uh, the umpires, you know, that we've been getting have been just really horrendous. You know, I, I they're, if they're horrendous, they're horrendous for both sides. But uh, I mean, I don't know if we're going to even to sniff at the NCAA tournament, guys. Um, but Okay, uh, let's move on. Uh, how about the uh, the Masters, right? Yes. Uh, he's a Spaniard. Mr. Rom, is that how, how's he pronounced? Yep, John Rom. Yep. John Rom, yeah. And he was four, uh, or was it, um, was it yeah, four, four shots uh, from, um, from from Phil Nicholson and, and Brooks Kepler, who was, I think Brooks was uh, the favorite to win. But anyway, uh, he made a comeback. Now, I did not know. The prize pack. Do you know what he got for that? Uh, probably like two or three, two or three million. I have to guess. Yeah, I've got it here. I got it here from MSN. Three point two four million. Three point two four. All right. Yeah, I yeah. think I saw Mickelson got like one point nine for second. So yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, Mickelson and Brooks that says each take home one point five eight million. Yeah, it, it it's a big purse. Yeah. Well, how about those who missed the cut? They all got ten thousand dollars according to this report. Uh, report. Yeah, you, you you get you know the Masters is such an elite tournament that you know everybody it's such a small field that everybody gets something when you when you play there. Yeah. Now, guys, let me ask you this: uh, of all the professional sports, which one would you say has the least likeliest probability of any physical harm being done uh, to that sports player? Least. I would pick golf or tennis. Of course, with tennis, I said you can get hit uh, with a tennis ball pretty badly. But to me, golf would be the least likely that you have any uh, plausible likelihood of getting hurt physically compared to basketball, football, <clears throat> race car driving, soccer. Uh, guys, do you see uh, agree with me, or do you see some other sport having the least likeliest uh, physical uh, uh, hurt uh, probability? Yeah, I would. <laughs> I would lean towards golf. Uh, that is not to say that injuries don't exist because obviously there's still withdrawals and guys that need surgeries and all that. But um, I would say that potentially, I know this is be a little surprising, this would not at all have been true 20 years ago. I would think race car driving, uh, in particular NASCAR, is getting down towards the bottom. Now, some of their injuries can be severe, but... Um, they have done such a good job of making those cars safe that really hardly ever do drivers miss time because of a racing accident. Like there is one driver missing right now, but that's because he got in a snowboarding incident that so had nothing to do with the car. So not many injuries occur, uh, occur during NASCAR races anymore. Uh, but golf has got to be down there too. Um, 
I don't know. I try not to be too marred by thinking of all of Tiger's injuries because some of those are off the course, some are on, but it, it's down there. There's not. There's certainly not as many as like baseball, basketball, etc. Okay. Well, moving along, guys. Last thing uh, for us, Steve. Then we got a couple sure. more phone calls. Mr. Denver Jones. We finally got him, right? Yes, sir. Uh, big time okay. guy. Twenty points a game out of FIU. Well, along with that. Then breaking news, Mr. Dickie V, did you hear what he said about basketball that he was just, I guess, I don't know, uh, shocked by? I wasn't. I, I did not see this. Quote, what is really sad to me with the transfer portal is that it was created for the unhappy player. Yes, someone not getting playing time, but now has become stars moving on. It tells me, here, hold on, there is truth to the rumors that, quote, cheating is going on. Really? Uh, that's that's how long it took for him to um, confirm what all the rest of us knew, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe he was looking at it uh, just with with hopeful lenses, but uh, yeah, uh, it's yeah. Well, real quickly, guys, this comes from On Three, the website. Through Monday, a thousand ninety total Division One basketball players had entered the portal since March the thirteenth. 966 of those were scholarship players. At yeah, 20% of scholarships. Yeah, 20% yeah. of all Division One scholarship players yep. have entered the portal in the first three weeks. Wow. Yeah, it's been crazy. It has been crazy. Okay. Uh, with that, guys, we also did get Mr. Alabama uh, Basketball Player of the Year, right? Mr. Philon, is that his name? Philon, yep. Yep, he was yep. named Miss, yep, Mr. Basketball. All right, guys, thank you for your time. I always appreciate you letting me uh, ramble on as much as I do. So with that... You guys have a relaxing and uh, rest of the evening. Uh, have a safe one, and we'll try this again tomorrow with your permission. Yes, Until sir, then, Steve. guys, War Eagle. War Eagle, thank you for the phone call. That is Retire Ward AMC joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Got a couple more callers on the line, so let's go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up on the program, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you doing, buddy? Fine. How are you guys doing? Doing very well. So is it? I mean, guys, is is Ryan Brook and Tom right? Ryan Brooks and Brent. Normally it would be Tom, but Tom is uh, Tom is out today. What's up, Brent? Hey, Matt, how you doing, man? Fine. How you doing, Brooke? I'm great. How are you, Matt? Fine. When are you getting married? Uh, two weeks. Uh, uh tell your fiance to uh, to behave. I, I'll do my best. Hey, I got a, a couple of questions. Um. One question is, what do you guys think about the player we got? Um, and then, what do you guys think about uh, the player from Georgia that we might get? And then, uh, West Flanagan going to Ole Miss. And you think Alan Flanagan will probably go to Ole, to Ole Miss, too? Yeah, so first with uh, Denver Jones, the new uh, guard coming into Auburn. Big get for the Tigers. We've not yet been able to discuss that too much. But he checks all the boxes in terms of scoring, shooting, from the perimeter that Auburn was looking for. And Auburn will need a couple more similar to him, but that was a guy that a lot of people wanted uh, and is a good get for Auburn. Um, secondly, uh, of uh, what was it, Cario Quindo from, from Georgia, uh, that uh, I'm not as intrigued by that. Uh, Quindo is not a very good shooter. Uh, he might be okay as a slasher off the bench or something like that. So I'm not ruling out that it couldn't work, but he's not maybe the skill set that, that, that I personally prefer uh, and considering Auburn's needing some shooting. And then uh, your your final question there, um, what, what, what was uh, Alan Flanagan? So I, I have no idea with, with, with Alan Flanagan. I know Wes Flanagan going to Ole Miss. 
uh, might have something to do with his decision, but at the same time, I think Allen does want a professional career at some point too. So, so, uh, and Brent and Brent, what do you guys think about? You think playing in with probably Pablo's dad, or you think playing go go to the NBA? I, 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 I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'll go. I'll go first. I guess. <laughs> we kind of started at the same time. I'll. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what Flanagan does right now. I'm leaning towards he ends up leaving Auburn probably to go chase a professional career. Uh, I don't think he wants to start a college career at a brand-new school just uh, immediately uh, or with, with just one year left. So I would be more inclined to see him go test the professional waters. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't think he comes back to Auburn, but I'm not positive about that. Yeah. Do you guys – hey, do you guys – oh, oh, sorry, bro. I no, go ahead. But before you guys like you guys can answer all the you guys can give me an answer. Do you guys see probably Williams coming back and the one from Birmingham probably coming back next year? And K D probably? Jalen Williams, Leor Berman and uh Katie Johnson. I would I would lean more toward uh Leor coming back. Um, I I could see uh, Katie Johnson coming back. I think Katie has has unofficially confirmed that he's coming back. And then Jalen, I think Jalen probably comes back. If I had, if I had to you know guess, I'm, I would say Jalen's probably going to come back. And, and you think you think Caldwell come back too, right? Yes. Yeah. I I think all four of those guys will be back next year. And so like so like I know a lot of play, I know a lot of like another question is I know a lot of players from Kentucky have left. And like Wheeler, um, do you guys see probably Wheeler coming probably to Auburn? No, I think Severe Wheeler's looking at some other places. I actually saw he went back on a visit to Georgia, uh, go figure the other week, which is where he originally transferred uh, from, of course, with a different coaching staff. So I, I have not heard Severe Wheeler's name linked to Auburn. Uh, so, like, how do you, like, so. But you think Auburn will probably? You think Bruce Pearl will probably get some more transfers, probably for basketball, right? Yes, I think probably two or three more. Uh, ultimately, I know that they just missed on a center that they were talking to from Marshall. Ended up going to Florida today, uh, but but they are talking to numerous guards, as we mentioned, Aquindo from uh, Georgia, also Olivari uh, from a, a guard from Rice yep. is somebody that they're looking hard at right now too, and I think Auburn's in the final four or five, so they're still going to be very active. They're still going to get a couple more, absolutely. Well, the player I started talking about, the one that's not very good, the shooting for Georgia. Did he play with Katie? I don't think so. He may be one year, which obviously KD was only at Georgia for one year. I'm trying to think of Aquindo's been at Georgia two years or three years. I'm not exactly sure off the top of my head. He's been there at least two, which obviously KD's been at Auburn too. I don't know if anyone else knows. No, I, I, yeah. I don't think so. I think Aquindo was a sophomore this year, but I'm not positive about that. Well, hey, I, hey, hey, uh, hey uh, Brooke and Brent and um, is, is Brooke Brent and Ryan, Ryan is Ryan. the third guy here. So, 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 hey, uh, so I got some good news to tell you guys. All right, I had a swim me, I had a swim me, the thirty first at a sports complex. If you guys know where that is, where Southern Union is, yeah. And I got two first and one second. I got first in the twenty five relay, the first in the fifty freestyle, and then second in the fifty back. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. So what do you guys think about that? I, I think that's elite work. I yeah. think that's a great job. So, hey, so, Brent, what do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, I think they I think they nailed it. It's a great job, and, uh, you know, congratulations, man. That's that's not easy to do. 
Yeah, I, I got a swim meet in Birmingham uh, this Friday, so. Oh, that'll be exciting. Yeah, and uh, so I'm, I'm, I was, I'm probably gonna probably when I get fifty, I'm probably gonna re, probably retire, probably. Uh, uh, okay. So, but I, I tell my mom, I tell my mom, and I tell her the phones that former swim meet when I was swimming in, uh, from Montgomery. I was telling my former coach and my former swimmy on my 40th birthday, I was going to get War Eagles here in the back of my head. My mom said that I can't do that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that would have been funny. Yeah. So, hey, so, so, so uh, do you guys think probably Ashford, Britt, uh, Brit and um, Britt, do you guys, Ryan, do you guys think that, like, Robbie Ashford will probably be a starter and then, like, uh, Gardner? would be the backup, and then the the quarterback from Liberty will probably be the third string, and do you guys think Finley will probably transfer? If they don't bring in a portal quarterback, I, I think that, that that would probably be the, the hierarchy that you would go with, with Robbie Asher being the starter, with Gurner being the backup. So, so do you guys think that probably Auburn will probably lose, like go probably – Ten and one or twelve and one, and probably the only game, probably SEC for football, probably losing against Georgia, probably. I, I think it's way too early to start giving season predictions for football. Uh, we we still have all of fall practice to go. We've got another portal window that's going to open up here. We we've got a long way to go before this roster is finalized. Before any roster is finalized, and uh, any of us are ready to make predictions on the season. Well, 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 well last question. Then I'll go because I'm not going to do this here because I'm in my mom's car. The last question, um, and you guys can give me on thoughts. How do you think that uh, will Auburn softball will do against Troy tomorrow night, and then when Auburn plays uh, LSU Tigers and Tigers, and how do you think the baseball, the rest of the baseball will do in their division uh, for baseball? Yeah, so I think first with softball, I think they'll do very well against Troy. Uh, we we. Well, I have to see series by series. I know LSU's pretty good, but they are coming in the Jane B. Moore field. This Auburn team's just got to hit a little bit more. They're pitching pretty well. Matty Pence has been spectacular, as good as any pitcher in, in, in college softball, but they do need to score some more runs. And then it's the opposite problem for Auburn baseball. they got to find a way to pitch a little better. They're, they're hitting and scoring plenty of runs to win, and that series against Alabama this weekend will be a big one, not only because it's the Crimson Tide and it's a rivalry, but because Alabama and Auburn are both 4-8 and eight in the SEC. So the, the loser of that series starts to to fall in their tournament hopes both for the NCAA and the SEC. But when you when you talk about Pena, you got you, you can't forget Shelby Love. She's she's a good pitcher too for softball. She has been she's struggled a little bit at times this year though that she's not been starting as much. She's been more of in a relief role and uh, she obviously had the great freshman year a couple of years ago and she's still very valuable for the Auburn staff but it, but it has be has been Penta as the clear ace of the staff. Have you guys heard that Auburn softball is trying to get like a new field? Uh, do you guys know if if they get a new softball field, where they're going to put it? Uh, I have not heard uh, anything of that sort, honestly. So, hey, hey, Brooke and Brent, have you guys heard? No, I, I've not heard anything. No, they just resurfaced Jane B. Moore Field, so that may be what you what you were hearing about is that they put some new grass down on the current softball field. All right, well, hey, have you guys heard from Have you guys heard from Sean? We have not. Hey, hey, Tom, hey, Tom's fired. We'll we, we will let him know. Hey, hey, JJ. I mean, hey, I mean, Ron, hey, Brooke. Yeah. Hey, you guys need to get JJ to come in and try and, and talk to him sometime. You guys need to get like probably Cadillac or 
or um, uh, Devon Reed or or Zach Efforts on on the radio, so I can ask him some questions sometimes. Yeah, we'll see if we can make that happen. And try try to get Frank Thomas on there. I like I like to talk to him too. We'll we'll see if we can make that happen. And hey, and you guys wish me good luck this Friday. I need luck, all the luck I need because me and my mom are leaving probably Thursday to go to spend night at my uncle's house in Birmingham, and um, and so so I'm, I'm going to be racing against some like people a lot faster than me. I'm going to try to do my best as as I can, and I'm hoping to go to the state for Troy. Well, that's the, that that's what you have to do is just swim your best, and you know if if it works out, it works out. But good luck on Friday. Yeah, and and uh, and and stuff. Um, but you got you guys you got you got to have a good Easter. Yeah, yes, we did. Uh, we did have a great Easter. We hope you did as well, Matt. And we look we uh, look forward to hearing about uh, your your swimming this weekend. And we'll talk to you again next week. Okay, buddy. Yeah, talk to you Monday. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle. That is Matt from Tallahassee joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We have time for one more phone call here before our hour break. Next up on the Auburn Bank phone line. Anthony from Auburn. Anthony joins us. Anthony, how are you doing? Doing good. And you guys? Doing well. Yeah, I uh, saw Frank Thomas' uh, speech at a game, and I tell you, it was a very passionate uh, speech. You know, he talked about Coach Dye coming to his house and recruiting him and uh, going to his mama's kitchen, sitting down, and whatever she had cooked for dinner, Dye didn't have any problem eating and enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, that's the old school recruiting and everything. And that just goes to show you, you know, times have changed since then. But, I mean, that was just something special for a coach like Dye to go down there and sit down and have dinner and just basically be part of the family that night. But, you know, as he continued to talk about Coach Dye, you know, he said that uh, Dye told him, you know, I can see you being a all-conference tight end and perhaps an All-American and maybe go play four or five years in the NFL. But I tell you what, I saw you practice a few times in baseball and saw a game or two. I'm going to tell you something. I believe you can have a career in baseball and play 18 or 20 seasons uh, in the major leagues. Uh, I'm going to keep you on football scholarship, and I recommend that that's what you really pursue. You know, how many coaches in today's time would have been unselfish enough to to let a player do that? They, I, You know, it's just hard to believe, you know, that he had that kind of insight and, and, and was willing to let the guy go ahead and go that route because he saw the guy had a better future there and wasn't going to stand in the way. And I tell you, that's something special for a coach to uh, uh, do that. And I tell you, you know, it touched me for a moment when I saw the uh, interview and whatnot. I mean, I almost wanted to cry myself. I had to get myself together. And I tell you, it just goes to show you, you know, the kind of man that Coach Dye was. Yeah, no, I think honesty uh, is, is very important to have those honest conversations and uh, be able to try and truly care about the the young man or woman that you're you're coaching enough to let them know what's best for them. If you feel that you, uh, if there is something clear that's best for them, and we always appreciate whenever coaches ha- have those really direct and honest conversations, and they can take many forms or fashions, and and certainly for one of them picking the right sport or, or going ahead and going pro, those things are conversations that can impact your own team negatively, but they impact the young man or woman uh, much more positively. And, and that is, you know, that gets lost in the shuffle a lot of times with how uh, much money and success is important to these programs. Having these direct conversations, these honest conversations with these kids are still very important. You know, uh, I don't know what kind of schedule Frank Thomas is running. I'm pretty sure he has personal appearances and speaking engagements and I've seen him on commercial, too, and whatever he might be doing in the business world. But, you know, I, I think Auburn University uh, 
should reach out to them at times and see if they can help them with their baseball recruiting. Uh, perhaps come up with a reasonable package, uh, as something as reasonable as enticing, uh, some health insurance thrown in there too, and some perks, and, and maybe see what he can do from time to time. Uh, when y'all bring in the top baseball recruits, you got a statue of him now, and everybody knows about his legend. Uh, let's have more campus and talk to some of these people and, and see what he might do. You know, you never know. I mentioned that from time to time with different players like Bo Jackson, Cam Newton, and just to mention a few, and even Pat Sullivan before he passed away. Uh, you know, when you got people that are high profile like that, one of those big national awards, and had these careers, and everybody knew them or know about the legend of them. You know, why not utilize these people to the best of your ability and get all you can get, especially this day and time, that transfer portal and all that going on. You know, you just never know what you might get. But uh, I think y'all mentioned, uh, well, uh, Steve mentioned about 20 players that have got in that portal or whatnot or going to get in it. I mean, don't be surprised this day and time. I mean, you know, now after athletes had a year or whatever, then if there's more money somewhere else or a better opportunity to showcase their skills and they just going to get got gone to that team and, and uh, get in a position where they compete for whatever championship it is or whatever it be. I mean, that's just the landscape of the thing now, and that's what it is, and I can't really blame anybody for that. But as far as football goes, uh, I didn't get a chance to see the 8 because I didn't get a chance to go and went on TV this time. What do you guys take of what you saw? I know it might have been watered down because it was spring and didn't want to show this, but as far as basic blocking and tackling and basic this and that, uh, what are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, so obviously, and too, with the, all the rain, they really only ran the ball. They only threw it 13 times between the three quarterbacks. I think more than anything, I think you saw that uh, Auburn's defensive line last year, which was 105th in the country in, in yards per rush allowed, was getting moved around a good bit by that by that offensive line. So I'm, I'm wondering if the defensive line is still uh, still in the camp of struggling. Now maybe the offensive line's finally getting a little better, but there's a lot of work to do on the offensive line. So the what did happen is that the O line did uh, win the line and scrimmage battle. The running backs looked pretty good. Auburn's got three or four of them that they're going to rotate and, and all bring a different skill set. Obviously, Jarquez Hunter was the top guy or the second guy last year. will be the top guy coming into this year. But even someone like Brian Batty, the, the transfer out of South Florida, looked like he's very explosive. So I, I like the ground game. Uh, it looks good, but with the caveat that we don't know how that defensive line is going to end up. And then from quarterback play, TJ Finley just continued to struggle. Again, none of these guys had a lot of opportunities, but Finley still made a couple of the worst plays of the day. Uh, Ashford made probably the best pass of the day, about a 40-yard pass down the seam. So, uh, again, not a whole lot to read into from the quarterbacks because of the wet weather and because of the play calling. But, uh, you know, Auburn, I, I think they ran the ball well. They looked okay. Um, in, in several areas, but again, the, all, everything passing, they just didn't get to do a lot of. Well, i tell you what, you know, uh, when the first game of the season rolls around, we'll get a better picture. The first three or four games of the season will pretty much tell us what we need to know. We'll see at that time. Uh, they got time in the summer workouts to get in there and work out and then go to the bubble outside. The players can get together, perhaps student coaches, and work on some things uh, that you can work on, basic techniques and whatnot. And we're going to find out as that time rolls around. But I'll tell you one thing I saw today that made me laugh. I saw the Georgia Bulldogs uh, football schedule for this year. And as I looked at it, there's only probably two teams on that whole schedule that are going to, that's going to really challenge them all season. I, I would think that's Tennessee and Florida. Of course, I could be wrong about Florida, but I would believe those only two teams that can really give them a challenge. And there's pretty much a 10-game cakewalk. Uh, I mean, the way they got that, that thing uh, uh, scheduled and games in between, I don't see them losing any games this year. It's just a cakewalk all the way to the conference championship. 
Yeah, obviously with their non-conference this year, they don't have the big marquee non-conference game that they've had several times here in year past. And then uh, out of the West, obviously they always play Auburn, and Auburn obviously in rebuilding mode, and then they play Ole Miss, who's a pretty good team uh, under Lane Kiffin, but it is in Athens. So the schedule does set up favorably for them this year. Uh, There's really... Uh, you know, I mean, there's there's really not a lot of teams, and, and personally, I, I don't think Florida is going to be in that good of a, a situation next year either. So, uh, certainly, this rotation for them with without having a big marquee non-conference game, yeah, I, I don't see much that would deter them. You know, I think I saw Kentucky, Vanderbilt on the schedule, and South Carolina. I mean, good God! I mean, you know, it just uh, I don't know, it's just what it is. But perhaps maybe once Oklahoma and uh, Texas get in here. Uh, Maybe that'll uh, beef it up a little bit for them when they start rotating games or however they decide to do, whether it be a nine-game uh, conference slate or a ten-game conference slate. We'll see what they do or, or whatnot. But uh, I tell you, man, I, those guys got to be grinning with that kind of schedule because they set up basically to get on in there and uh, and be at the uh, hallelujah land uh, again. And everybody else going to have a tougher road, I mean, you know, to get there. So I guess it makes it could make all the difference in the world. But guys, I appreciate the time and everything, and uh, we'll be call. I will be calling from time to time, and uh, we're gonna have a little fun. But things kind of cool off right now. But uh, after we get out of Fourth of July and get on into the August, then uh, things will start to bubble up again. Y'all have a good one. Yes, sir, Anthony. Appreciate the phone call. Call us anytime. That is Anthony from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our uh, end of hour break. A fun hour of phone calls right there from Kevin Ives at the beginning to Anthony at the end and everything in between. Auburn Bank phone line got a good workout there in hour number two. After the break, we will tell you more about Auburn basketball, their news uh, with Denver Jones coming in, West Flanagan going out, and uh, we'll have our best and worst of the weekend a little bit later and more of your phone calls if you give us a call at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9 on our Auburn Bank phone line. Hour number two is in the books. Hour number three coming up right after this. Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I've got Brent Daughtry and Brooks Childress with me on the program today. No Tom Peavy. Hope to have him back tomorrow. So Brooks has been filling in. You'll hear Brooks tomorrow, not on the show. He'll be doing some Borgard High School softball tomorrow. That's why we will have a shortened show tomorrow afternoon. Be off air about 4.30 or 4.45. Let's go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 
Wonder Blake 9, Tiger 9. Next up on the program today, Keith from Auburn. Keith joins us. Keith, how are you doing? Hey, guys. I am outstanding, and I hope you all had a happy Easter weekend. We certainly did. We appreciate it. We hope you did as well. Thank you very much. Hey, I just wanted to, to touch base a little bit on the Masters real quick. I think there was a few storylines there. Um, uh, I basically didn't do anything yesterday but watch the Masters all day long. But, uh, you know, one was the uh, Bennett, the uh, amateur, uh, you know, kind of got pulling for him a little bit. And, uh, of course, it didn't turn out the way, uh, you know, the way he would have wanted it to. But uh, still a very uh, strong showing uh, from him. I think he finished two under, uh, which is uh, in red. That's in red numbers. So i got to give him, him credit for that. Um, you know, he didn't look like he backed down any from uh, playing with Rom and and Kopka. Um, you know, the quote of the week had of uh, the weekend had to be his when uh, when he made the cut. And they asked him about playing in the final round or you know in the final uh, tee time. Final group, yeah, yeah, final group. Thank you. That's what I was looking. And he, and, you know, he said, "Well, now my focus is on." Uh, winning the tournament and you know you got to give the guy credit but his quote was they asked me he said well, why do you think you can win the tournament he said because i know my good golf game is good enough so that's pretty positive <laughs> you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah very uh, i thought that too yeah very uh, you know, on a, yeah on a sad note uh you know i, I think tiger I, I, you know the poor guy he's got a will and he wants to compete but I, I, you know i just think that leg it's just, you know, it's pieced together with boats, uh, you know, and it's just, you know, it's difficult to see him get out there and limp around and, and try to play golf, especially in conditions that, you know, the Bastards had this weekend. Um, and I hate it for him. I mean, he's done so much for the game of golf, uh, you know, that uh, he's one of the greatest ever, no doubt about it. Uh, but, you know, golf has became a, a young man's, game now so you know if you're i think tiger's what i don't know 40 something 43 47 oh, yeah he's put he's getting close for 50 i think he's about 48 oh, now gosh man yeah. we, I, i'm not even sure how that means that must mean i'm getting old i didn't even <laughs> talk about my age that good grief but anyway uh you know uh making the cut again i thought was great freddie couples uh you know freddie's just freddie he just keeps on making cuts and uh at the Masters, and it was good to see him make another cut. But, uh, and, and, you know, I did, I, I've got to say this in closing. I, I was, you know, I know we, we, there's been a lot of talk about trash talk and all that's going on, and I watched just very, very closely yesterday. I did not see any trash talk by any of the golfers walking down the fairways. I thought I might. And what I was really shocked about was on 18 when Rom and uh, Kopka got, uh, I think that's his name, Kopka, Kopka, I don't know how you pronounce it. Kepka. When they yeah. were on on the 18th green and Rom sank that putt, I was a little shocked that he didn't chase Kopka around the 18th green, give him the John Cena wave and maybe emulate and putting on the green jacket. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of <laughs> rolling his shoulders or something, but... You know, we, we need that trash talk in all sports, I guess, but uh, just joking on that. But uh, 
golf's a gentleman's game, and that's why people watch it because there's class and there's sportsmanship in that that uh, that sport. And I'll leave it at that, guys. Thank you so much for for taking my phone call. You guys do a great job, and I look forward to listening to you every day. Y'all have a great day. Appreciate that phone call, Keith. Uh, that is Keith from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Yeah, we. Uh, we've had a lot of calls here recently. We obviously opened up uh, talking some Auburn football, but yeah, the Masters uh, this past weekend had uh, had plenty of storylines. Uh, I did look it up. Tiger is forty seven, not uh, forty eight, and it is. It was rough to watch him Saturday morning fight through the, the weather elements there. Obviously, uh, Augusta not not overly far from here, same region of the country, and uh, so what uh, was Alabama's weather problems on Saturday was predominantly Georgia's weather problems. On Saturday, too, still nice that they were able to get that in on Sunday and not have to have a Monday finish the Masters. I don't think that's happened in 40 or, or 50 years, something like that, last time they uh, finished on a Monday. But it was interesting storylines with uh, with some of the live guys being up there, with, uh, with Kepka leading predominantly throughout Mickelson who is, I think, like 52 or 53. He's older than Tiger, uh, and he's over 50. Uh, who finishes tied for second with Kepka? Spieth made a run on Sunday. Uh, it looked like it was Rom's to lose on the back nine, but overall, uh, it was a uh, again another very fun tournament. At least Tiger did make the cut. Uh, that I know that's no moral victory for him and, and everything he expects out of his game, but it was the 23rd consecutive cut he had made at Augusta, which ties the record. I think Fred Couples and Larry Mize or, or somebody somebody else has that record. Uh, so it's now a three-way tie. Maybe it's Jack. I'm not sure. Has a three-way tie with 23 consecutive cuts made. So I uh, certainly did enjoy uh, the Masters this weekend. Let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk a little Auburn basketball before we take our next break. Best and worst of the weekend coming up a little bit later to conclude the show. Uh, but we've, we've kind of talked about this in, in various ways, but not gone a deep dive into it. But uh, Florida International transfer Denver Jones is headed to Auburn. He has already signed, sealed, and delivered. And Denver Jones, we've, we've talked to you about on this show a couple of times was on our radar a couple weeks ago as somebody that was highly interested in Auburn and, and, and likewise for the Tigers. 20.1 points a game this year uh, at FIU. Shot it at 48% from the floor. Well, I love that he shot 37% from three on 5.7 attempts a, a game. Shot 84.5% from the foul line. Uh, this is a very good shooter. He is... Uh, 6'4", 195, so he's a little bigger. He is not necessarily a point guard. Only averaged two assists a game at FIU. He was in there to score the thing, and he certainly did that. And so, guys, Auburn gets uh, a pretty major target of their of theirs. We're seeing a lot of guys in the last few days commit to, to schools. Auburn's still in the mix for some other guys, but uh, seems like they checked the boxes here with Denver Jones. Here's the thing that the the stat that gives me the most hope, and the thing that we were looking for so often uh, with with this year's Auburn basketball team. I think only about twenty percent of his field goals were assisted on. It, pr- most of his offense he created himself, uh, and and a lot of it off the step back. He's good at driving to the rim. He finishes through contact. He is the he is the guy that when FIU needed the basket, they put the ball in his hands and they said, "Go make your shot." 
and go bury it. And that was the thing that we kept begging Auburn to have this year that just never clicked, uh, d- despite the best efforts of some players. And I-, I think that Denver Jones, he's also 6'4". He's a true shooting guard. He's going to be an off-ball guard. That was something that Auburn lacked uh, for the most part this year. Uh, uh, Zeb Jasper is certainly not a small guy, but he's not 6'4". He's 6'1". But you're bringing in a guy who is a true shooting guard, he can be a secondary ball handler, but he's mostly out there to create his own shot when the ball's in his hands. And, man, I, I'm really excited about this kid. I, I can't wait to see him in an Auburn uniform, and I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to next basketball season in large part because of Denver Jones. And like we said, Auburn basketball is not done in the portal yet. Justin Ferguson, our, our good friend from the Auburn Observer, he put out an article earlier today uh, of what Auburn basketball is getting an FIU transfer Denver Jones. I highly encourage you to go read it, subscribe to the, the Auburn Observer. But he also put out a tweet uh, about five hours ago and then just retweeted it. So here, here's some of the numbers if, if you you know haven't read the article or if you you know just looking. He one of 26 players, just 26 players, to average 20-plus points per game. Top 150 in the country in fouls drawn plus career, 86.8% free throws. Number five nationally in mid-range field goal percentage, 90th percentile in spot-ups, hit more than 40% of his catch-and-shoot threes, and, quote, has an absolute wicked step-back jumper. And so he, he's a guy that, like you said, Brant, when, when FIU needed a basket, they, they got it. And so I think that's a guy that, you know, every basketball team needs. Every basketball team needs a, needs a, a Two, two guys, and really, if you can get in, in in one player, that's great. That would be that's what you really want is a guy that can do both of these. But you need two guys. You need a guy that can get a bucket, and you can guy that can stop a bucket on on the defensive end. You need a guy that can on the offensive end. You need a guy that can get a bucket, and then on the defensive end, you need a guy that can that can defend and stop a shot from going in. And so this is this is one of those guys. Auburn's got one of those guys now that you you are confident going down the court. You say, hey. We need a we need a we need a score here. This is the kind of guy that can go and get that score. And so Bruce Pearl targeted him. We we heard a lot of rumblings at the late end of last week about him when he was coming to visit at Auburn early Saturday. We got the boom tweet from Bruce Pearl, and then shortly and got one from Katie Johnson. We did get one from Katie Johnson, and then shortly after those came out, you got the the commitment, and then already signed, and we already the press release already out, and so Denver uh, Denver Jones already coming to Auburn we'll see what happens uh come next basketball season with him and of course looking looking ahead to the portal Auburn's still in the mix for several guys that are high profile around the country something that Ryan touched on that every Auburn fan should be excited about 37 percent from three and not like a flat 37 like 37.8 I think it was something some high 10th percentile whatever yeah I'll double back to those I was gonna my, my next point about Denver is I wanted to tell people how he did against the best competition he played this year because okay you play in a smaller conference now granted conference usa is not as small as it could be i mean there's some conferences the ovc or the nec or the summit league i mean i could go on 10 or 12 that are clearly still smaller than conference usa but their best non-conference opponent was a trip to nc state in that game, Denver Jones went 7-12 from the field, uh, 2-7 of seven from 3, but he was 5-5 five of five from 2, scored 19 points. All right, so right around his average against NC State. When he played teams like Florida Atlantic and UAB, against UAB this year, he had a 29-point game in their win over the Blazers. In their loss, he had 22 points. When they played Final Four, yep, Final Four, 
Florida Atlantic. He did have one of his lesser games of the year with 12 points in the first matchup. He rebounded uh, quite easily in the second matchup uh, as he had 25 in the second matchup. So uh, when he did play the better teams in that league, when he played NC State, uh, he was at or above his average in really all those games except for one. So uh, that is something to be aware of is that he did not struggle uh, to get those shots against the lesser competition. Uh, one of the things that Brooks read in that Ferg tweet, very good from the mid-range. Okay, As much as we talk about the three-pointers, much as we talk about free-throw shooting, look, there's still hay to be made between the rim and the three-point line. A lot of people are really good at mid-range jump shots, and it can be a danger devaluing them too much. Do I want a 20-foot too? Nah. Okay, step back a foot. But if you're really good at elbow jumpers, if you're really good at stopping on a dime from 13, 16 feet, that's your shot. Take that shot. And that can be a very valuable shot at the end of the day. And Denver Jones is very good from that mid-range. Again, uh, those three-point numbers uh, for Denver, if I uh, pull that back up. And also, you know, he did play two years at FIU here. So uh, his first year at FIU, he was 34.5% from three. This year, he was 37.1. Uh, so he's 35.9 on 5.1 attempts a game in his career in two years. So, I mean, he's shooting a lot of threes and essentially shooting 36% from three. And also, as a free thrower, uh, 84.5% this year. He was 89.6 last year. So in his college career, shooting 87% from the foul line. It, it does not get much better than that. So Denver is his score. So uh, that is absolutely what Auburn needed. We'll talk a little bit more throughout the week on some of the other things Auburn needs, some of the other guys Auburn's looking at. One final point about Auburn basketball. So Auburn does lose uh, Wes Flanagan this weekend. He's on his way to Oxford. He is going to join Chris Beardstaff. There is a relationship there dating back to Little Rock. I think if you read in between the lines, uh, that was a move that is not going to catch too many with knowledge of the situation off guard. Uh, I think that that was always a, a potential deal there for West to go join Chris Beard, someone with SEC experience in West Flanagan, to help Chris Beard get off the ground with a struggling Ole Miss program. So that leaves a spot on the bench open for Auburn. I know a lot of Auburn people already coalescing around one KT Harrell, uh, who has been on Florida Atlantic staff in a more prominent role than he was at Auburn this year. So I, I, other than that, I'm not going to know too many of the names but uh, KT Harrell is absolutely going to be someone to keep an eye on. We don't expect any other staff changes. And then as it pertains to Alan Flanagan, that's what a lot of people follow that up with is, okay, well, so what about the future of Flanagan? I'm not sure this is going to affect things too much, and here's why. I think Alan Flanagan being you know, his son, I think he understood what his dad was potentially going to do. I think that's always been – a part of this process. And, and look, they have been together at Auburn here for the last three years. But uh, I think with Alan Flanagan, I think the calculus is probably more about to start a professional career or come back to Auburn rather than transfer to someone like Ole Miss. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the relationship there is just so, so wonderful with his father. And by the way, I hope he does have a great relationship with his father. It's definitely the preferred outcome there. Um, but I still think that for Alan Flanagan, the thought process has got to center around the fact that at one point, he was knocking on the door of being a first-round NBA draft pick a couple of years ago. And now he's a guy that would not get drafted. 
And we've seen Wendell Green Jr. already go pro, a guy that, again, will not get drafted. At least with Flanagan's body, that is someone that would have a better ceiling. I'm not saying that he would start in a better place than Wendell Green Jr., but it's at least someone that his body is not going to be a determining factor on what he could be. If Alan Flanagan found a way, which, again, it's unlikely, but if he found a way to be a terrific jump shooter and he used his athleticism well, he took better care of the basketball, there would be a path for him at least uh, because of his size, because of what he was at one point. Uh, so if he if you made the argument for Wendell going pro that it made sense, I still think you can make that argument for Flanagan because, again, you get devalued the longer you stay in college. It's kind of unfortunate, and I'm not saying it's always wrong because sometimes there is some – there is some some weight to having your organization work on you and develop you rather than the college game. But we see guys that are successful three- and four-year players in college get picked after the guys that are one-and-done guys, even if they're better or as good college basketball players. It's just the nature of it. The league just values having their hands on you, even at age 19 as compared to age 22 or 23. And that that's the reality of it. So the longer Flanagan waits, again, I'm not saying he's got a clear pathway to the NBA, but the longer he waits, the more time it's going to take him cutting his teeth in the G League or overseas to try and get that opportunity. So I wouldn't be surprised that that's still the move. Again, I, I this is not a report. This is my speculation. I don't know if you guys uh, speculate differently but I still think that it is more likely Flanagan would try his hand at a professional career before he transfer to any specific school. Uh, could be wrong. And I would expect the decision, as with all these kids, in the next couple of weeks. I mean, they're not, I don't expect any June or July fireworks on, on, on what the roster is going to look like. I think we're going to get these final decisions here uh, in, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't expect Alan Flanagan to go and try and – restart his college career after four years at one institution just to to go be with his dad not that there's anything wrong with wanting to be with your father as a coach but uh, I also think that it's possible Flanagan wants to get out from his dad's shadow his dad has been there looking over his shoulder the entire time and he may want to just do his own thing he's an adult now he's he's well probably 22 23 something like that so he wants to he wants to go ahead and carve out his own path, whether that be in college at Auburn or in the pros. I, I, I doubt that he goes somewhere else. Um, but, but like you said, like we, we don't know. We don't know that he's not going anywhere else. We just don't think he is. Yeah, just our, I don't know, maybe educated guess or just our prediction at the end of the day. But we will see. I would have predicted, I would have predicted Katie Johnson wouldn't have been here. And it's looking like, even though it's not official, that it could be trending towards him staying. I mean, at the very least, he's celebrating a new addition to the team. Yep. It's not a bad sign. I don't know if that's a telltale everything, but it's not a bad sign. He's not sulking or anything like that. He is celebrating the arrival of Denver Jones onto Auburn's basketball roster. We need to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll start to wrap up the show. Best and worst of the weekend. Also, nightly TV guide coming up. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. 
This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. This sports call on this Monday. Beautiful day on the plains. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry. My worst of the weekend, I just decided, as I said that sentence, it's going to have to do with weather, and nice. that buries the lead. But it is time. We were not able to do this last Monday. We waited till Tuesday. I still had a passionate rant, as I often do. Uh, but now we get on a Monday to the best and worst of the weekend. Now, time for the best. Woo-hoo! And worst. No! 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 Of the weekend. All right, let's start out positive, though. Does uh, anyone want to start first with their best? Best of the weekend. I got it. All right. The Masters. A tradition unlike any The glory that is the Masters. Beautiful. It wasn't the best Friday weather-wise into Saturday weather-wise, but doggone it, that Sunday finish was just magical. It was beautiful weather. Very, uh, it, it was a, a you know a great performance by John Rahm, great performance by Jordan Spieth, pretty good performance from Phil Mickelson. Brooks Kepka fell apart a little bit, but you know it. John Rahm winning the Masters. If you can't root for a, a guy with a little bit of a belly, and on the final hole he puts that thing not even close to the fairway, you just don't root for humans. That's that's called what I can do. Like, Whoa! I, I've done I've done something that a Masters champion has done is I've teed off on my final hole and not reached the fairway, and so doggone it, the Masters was just wonderful this weekend. All right, that's Brooks's best. My best is going to come from the sport of baseball. We're going to go to NCAA Division Two, the University of Indianapolis, Brady Ware in their game on Friday. I don't know who they were playing, but Mr. Ware started in the, uh, on the mound for uh, Indianapolis. I think they're the Greyhounds. Anyway, uh, threw a no-hitter in that game, but not only did he throw a no-hitter through those seven innings, it was a 14-0 game, so it ended two innings early, uh, but threw a no-hitter, struck out 11. He also hit in that game and hit for the cycle. Dang. So Brady Ware uh, threw a no-hitter, threw a seven-inning no-hitter, struck out 11, and also hit for the cycle in the same game. Uh, pretty incredible stuff from Mr. Ware, and that is my best of the weekend. Uh, fair to say that he's a fan of uh, Shohei Otani? Looks like it. Looks like it. Going to inspire a new generation to pitch and hit, but it's not as easy as it seems, folks. Uh, Otani uh, is crazy, and uh, that is crazy. Cycle and a, a no hitter. Yeah. Whoa. Well, yeah. He's a he's a one man team. There you go. Point. There you go. Uh, my best of the weekend was uh, required a little bit more thought. Um, I don't know what it says about me that I always think of the worst before I think of the best. Um, and usually I'm trying to be positive a lot of times, so that was interesting. But uh, I'm going to go just a uh, just an Auburn one here. Uh, the best of the weekend being that Auburn did get a guard that they uh, genuinely needed. Uh, that that uh, they they've tried to get some of these portal guys the last couple of years. They've hit on a couple of big time ones, and they've had a couple of guys be a little underwhelming in some areas. Uh, but I really think Denver Jones will be a game changer for Auburn. And uh, I, I joked a few weeks back when the portal started to open, the season ended. 
that just get me guys that shoot 35% from three or above, and I'll just take them. Just go ahead. I don't care. Uh, and they did that, a 20-point score, 6-4. Uh, is going to be able to rise up on some guys and, and get to the rim, and uh, I think that is a very important player. Still a lot to determine about this Auburn roster. Still got to hear about Flanagan. Still got to hear about Jalen Williams. Still got to hear about Janai Broom. Uh, still need more formal word, I feel like, from KD Johnson. Uh, but uh, that is a really good start to the transfer portal uh, acquisition period for Auburn. They've got a couple more scholarships available, and they might have a couple more come open. But I think the best was was going ahead and getting someone Auburn felt it needed and felt like it was in good position to get, uh, which was Denver Gents. All right, worst of the weekend. Brant, how about you go first? I'll start off with the worst of the weekend. Uh, Augusta National, as everybody knows, is kind of the holy land of groundskeeping. Everyone that is kind of the ultimate goal of a groundskeeper is to maintain Augusta National. Well, on Saturday, was it Friday or Saturday? It was on Friday. Uh, three trees fell at one hole. Three just massive pine trees just toppled over. I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. Just it, the place where landscaping is kind of the most important. It's the most important place for it in the world. And uh, three trees just decided to fall down. I'll tell you what, though. If you saw some images from there, you couldn't tell there was a tree there. You can spin this into a best Brooks. Go yeah. ahead. Like the like <laughs> the, the, the grounds crew is so good that you could not tell the next day, except for like they had it little roped off a little bit. But if you had not had that rope there, you couldn't tell there was a tree there the day before. You wouldn't be able to tell. They yeah. they they put a band aid on it. Quite I'm nicely. not. I must say I don't know everything about landscaping, but I'm not sure that that was on. Augusta. No, I'm not. I'm not saying it's like totally on the grounds crew, but it's just weird at the place where you you manicure the grass down to the the hundredth of an inch, and then the tree just falls on the course. It and, and, and like I'm not trying to blame groundskeepers or anything. I, I don't want to. I don't want it to yeah, come we, across like that. But we, we play with the with the few groundskeepers on the uh, on the softball team. We do. So you better watch out. We do. Well, <laughs> I, I've never seen Jordan Hare State. I've never seen Pat Dyfield get messed up like that. But also, there's but no there's, trees. I was about to say, there's no trees. <laughs> I think we need to. So what we're getting at is that we need to put a tree in the corner of the end zone. I don't know. Just, just test it Those out. Those bushes still aren't healed from when the 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 uh, that, the, that is the true. Storming. That is true. All right, Brooks, what do you got for worst? Worst of the weekend. I, I had a I had two, and so I'll I'll throw two out there. All right. One. Be bar- extra negative. The Braves' performance this weekend. Okay. Just, just awful. Not right. not great, and it's not their you know it's not all their fault. They got hurt, you know a lot of a lot of injuries piling up for the Braves right now. But still, you lose three out of four to the Padres, and I know the Padres are a good team, but still, you're at home. It's your home opening weekend. You can't lose three out of four on your home opening weekend. You know, it 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 not positive, not great. Need to turn it around tonight against the Reds, or start turning around tonight in the series against the Reds. Second one, it's not really an it's not really I'm upset about it. It's more of just a oh man. It was the the Rocket City Trash Pandas this weekend. Oh, they, I saw this. They yeah. lost a game. Oh, I did this see this. Good. This is pretty good. But the pitcher threw a no-hitter. But they lost because of walks and errors. And silliness. And silliness. Minor League Baseball happened. Was it? And the, the Rocket City Trash Pandas, who are up north in the state of Alabama, in, in Huntsville, Madison area, lost a game pitcher got a no hitter but he still lost it gosh that's hard to do well and it wasn't like a, a one to nothing loss it wasn't no. like he just didn't get any offensive but wasn't it like seven to six it was they gave there was a no hitter but they gave up like six or seven runs something ridiculous like that 
I was trying to find the score. Yeah, it was um, seven to five. Seven to five. Five Just walks, four hit by pitches. Yeah. I would love I would love to like go back and see every instance of a run scoring in that game and just how did it happen? Yeah, because you know even if you had one hit, you could say, "Oh, that one hit was a grand slam or or right. or multi run hit or something." Not one. All of it was manufactured by incompetent pitching slash defense. Yeah. Every single every single thing, every single thing. That is, we didn't talk about that. That deserved its own segment, honestly. <laughs> I don't know how you give up that many runs. And I know it's minor league baseball. It's still a form of professional baseball. This is not fifth grade. Yeah, the, yeah these this, guys, is, this is what, a double A? Is yeah. that what this is? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Two steps away some from the of these leagues, guys folks. will be in the big leagues by the end of the year. This is the team that Sonny DeShera plays for. Like, a couple oh, of yeah. these guys, because of injuries, will make a big league roster by the end of this year. And it is uh, incredible. Uh, I... Here's my worst. My worst is I hated the weather this weekend. I just hated it. It sucked. It was going to be – and, look, I get it. Like, I, I do weather updates every single time or every single day on this on this station and all of, all of our stations, and I get how the weather works. Um, it, this is not like, oh, how could it do such a thing? I understand. It's weather, and we're Personally not in control of it. Yeah. But I, it was just the misfortune of the timing. I mean, it, it came – at a time where it did not enable spring day to go well. I mean, that's something that a lot of people look forward to. I know there were some phony attendance numbers. I guess I could make a worse of the weekend into the attendance number given for that because <laughs> it was definitely in the single-digit thousands, not double-digit thousands. But, you know, I, I, I hate that it became such a – it seemed like a chore to get that done. They had to shorten the game. It was supposed to be 60 minutes continuous. It ended up being three quarters that were about 12 minutes long. I mean, they almost barely played half of what they were going to. I hate that the Frank Thomas statue had to be unveiled in that unveiled in that weather that they couldn't play a baseball game on Saturday. And then going back to the Masters, I hate that the weather came and, and disrupted and ended Tiger Woods' tournament because let's call it like it is, with his, his knee and his plantar fasciitis and 8 million other injuries, he can't go out there when it's 50 degrees pouring rain. He can't. And I don't blame him. And now it still sucks to see him walking like he's 87 when he's 47. But the weather kind of screwed some things up this weekend. And it's going to do that. And it, it can be worse than just rain. And I get that. Uh, but it's just unfortunate timing for some of the events that we're trying to go on here in the southeast uh, this weekend. I hate that it ruined A-Day. And I, I hate that it uh, put a damper on Saturday at the Masters and, and ended Tigers tournament a little prematurely. But uh, those are our best and worst of the weekends. Glad we got those in. Uh, sometimes I'm ready to go on Sunday for this segment. Sometimes I'm ready to go as we talk. And today I uh, was more of the, the latter, but uh, that did perturb me that it was unfortunate weather circumstances this week. All right, just a couple minutes left in the show as we've kind of uh, run low on time, not able to take as many breaks as normal. So let's get to a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw, Hart Seltzer, Brooks. What do we have? Uh, before we get to Nightly TV Guide, I wanted to point out Tom Peavy. Okay. Absent today, uh, sending his best and worst weekend. His best was what Brant said. His worst was the Auburn quarterback play in A-Day. So there is Tom's uh, Nightly. Or not my, nightly well, we, we would have had more of it, and we would have seen more than just two horrible T.J. Finley plays if we'd had... 
uh, less rain. So, yes, but also it was not helped out by anything weather related. All right, not a TV guide. Two movies for you tonight, starting at 7 o'clock on TNT. It's Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Star Wars has been on all weekend on, on the Turner channels. I've been watching it off and on when I've uh, stumbled across it. But yeah, Rise of Skywalker tonight at 7 o'clock. Then it also at 7 on Pop at School of Rock, starring Jack Black. So, and a young Miranda Cosgrove, too. She's in that, too. So there's your two movie picks for the evening. Uh, sports on for you tonight. 6 o'clock on ESPN, the WNBA draft takes center stage. Check out the stars of tomorrow for the WNBA. Aaliyah Boston projected to be the number one overall pick. Uh, at 6 o'clock on Golf Network or Golf Channel, it is the Western Intercollegiate. Big uh, tournament out west. A lot of the big-time college golf uh, teams from the West Coast uh, take part in that. Then at 8 o'clock, ESPN Minnesota Wild take on the Chicago Blackhawks and some NHL action as we wind down the season, in, the regular season in the National Hockey League. And, of course, the Atlanta Braves back in action tonight. 6-20 first pitch over in Valley Sports Southeast as they open up a three-game slate against the Cincinnati Reds. Also, listen to that game on our sister station, AM 1230 WAUD. And that is a look at your nightly TV guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks, and I uh, hope you have a great broadcast tomorrow with BHS Softball. I I hope you have a great show tomorrow here in the studio. Thank you, brother. Brant, thank you for being here, sir. We will see you tomorrow. Thank you for having me. And uh, we hope to see Tom Peavy back here uh, tomorrow if uh, he is able to do that. We will again have a shortened show tomorrow. Be off air around 4.30, 4.45 tomorrow with BHS Softball coming up. Also appreciate Kevin Ives at Plainsman Parking Lot for joining us today on the show. We thank all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry, my name is Ryan Lloyd. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.